Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from a cabin in the woods discussing the 2013 horror film, Evil Dead. This film was directed by Fede Alvarez from a screenplay by Alvarez and Rodo Segas based on Sam Raimi's 1981 horror classic, The Evil Dead. Evil Dead brings an entirely new cast of characters to a familiar cabin in a reimagining of the story we all know and love. Rather than attempt to recreate its predecessor, this film diverges from the set path in a variety of interesting ways, including a massive shift in tone from previous franchise entries, but all the while paying tribute to where it came from. With committed performances, grisly special effects, and memorably gruesome set pieces, Evil Dead would go on to become a box office success and gain the admiration of many horror fans. This film was recommended to us by friends of the show, Mariah Luna, Suze, Faith Graham, Megan M., Miguel Myers ATX, Molly Gerhardt, Craig Kowalski, Bobby Holmes, Jasmine, Cookie, and Sans Pope on Twitter. We want to thank each and every one of them for their continued support, as well as this suggestion. So, Evil Dead, what were your first impressions on the film? I don't remember exactly. I know that we didn't see it in the theaters. But I remember after watching it the first time, I I know that I really liked the movie, but I didn't realize how much I liked the movie. Okay. And then once I watched it again, I really liked the movie. And then I watched it again, and I was like, I really, really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> um, but I really, 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 really liked this movie. Almost to say that I <laughs> love this movie. Almost? No, I, I, I yeah. love it. Yeah, I love it. How do you feel about it? Though? Yeah, for real. I remember when we saw it, and I think that we had rented it, mm-hmm. um, but if it was anywhere close to when this came out, Jackson was a baby. Yeah. Ari was barely not a baby. Yeah. I remember being very busy while it was on mm-hmm. and being like, oh, that was good, because you hear like, and I know this isn't technically a remake, Mm-hmm. but you know i'm going yeah, into yeah, it this yeah. is a remake whatever um you don't expect anything amazing mm-hmm. so i remember walking away being like oh that was actually really good but then i never watched it again yeah and then so watching it for this it was a treat because this is really fucking good yes it is i was very pleasantly surprised that i still felt the same way and i had a feeling it was it was gonna hold up for me because so many people requested it yes, <laughs> yeah. and everybody's like well i love the fucking 2013 <laughs> so i'm like i'm not expecting it to be bad but it even that even still exceeded my expectation re-watching it i love that you both had a very Busy lives that kept you from the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Because I... Couldn't do it, homie. (laughs) At this time in my life, I had a job that I hated and a lot of spare time outside of that job. I saw this three times in the theaters. Wow. Oh, nice. In the span of... I I found my old movie tickets, and this is no joke. Oh, no. (laughs) In the span of nine days. (laughs) (laughs) I I think... (laughs) The thing was, is I I don't remember what I saw before Evil Dead, but I saw it and there was a trailer for it. Yeah. And I was not as plugged in as far as, you know, oh, this is coming out then and all that stuff like we are now, kind of like we have to be now. Mm -hmm. And so I saw the trailer and then I saw a poster outside of the theater and it said something like, this is the most terrifying film you will ever see. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing that (laughs) intrigues me more 
than wanting to prove someone wrong. I yeah. was about to say, shut up. Shut up. Immediately, was, I'm like, fuck <laughs> off. I was so ready. I was so ready. But the thing was is that I already had a love for the Evil Dead at this point. Right. Uh-huh. Um, I had seen, I think I watched with Dad, the Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness all at this point. Mm-hmm. And so, and also, I was very, very, very much a big fan of Bruce Campbell already. Right. I was... <laughs> I was very into Burn Notice I as well. Was, I was waiting on Burn Notice to be mentioned. He's Sam Axe, dude. Yeah. He's great. Um, but I think this, this for me, I feel like is when I realized that the Evil Dead franchise simply never misses. Right. And that not only makes me excited for Evil Dead Rise. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But it also makes me realize that when a franchise is given to three people to kind of safeguard it, they're not going to just make something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's really very careful. Everything is calculated. They wouldn't reboot slash reimagine this film if they didn't think that it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And of course, I didn't know this at the time. I was just like, I'll see how scary this is. (laughs) You don't tell me. You don't fucking tell me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I don't know. They were were so smart to do it this way, to not remake it. You can't recast Ash. Right. No. That's just not going to happen. No. And so, I mean, I don't know. The more I watch it, the more I appreciate it. The more I see these little winks to the older films. Oh, yeah. Like, they were very careful in doing homage in a way that wasn't heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. There are so many moments that I'm like, oh, that's what they said. In yeah. The, you know? Yeah, that was especially a treat this time because I had seen the movies at whatever point I watched this the first time, uh-huh. but I didn't know them well enough to be like, oh, that's that, or that's a callback to that. I, I wouldn't, that would have gone right over my head. Uh-huh. So, you know, all the deep dives that we've done that brought us to this point, I'm like, oh, that means that, or that's from that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's always, Easter eggs are always appreciated in this oh, house. Yeah. Always welcome. I feel like um, this isn't hyperbole for me, I think this might be if we're going to call this a remake. Mm-hmm. This is this is exactly the best possible remake. Oh no, yeah, I, and and I'm sure because I, I spoke with a couple of my buddies and uh, that I play with, and they were like, "So that's from the." I was like, "It's the first one." I was like, "Because remember, the first one is there's it's not really comedy at it; it's Mm-mm. horror." Uh-huh. I was like, "It's the second one where they start to get silly with it." I was like, "But I was like this, just like you said." That for me, I feel the same way. This is the best possible outcome that could have happened. Yes. And I feel like every everything that they did in this movie works, period, for me. Absolutely. And at the age that I saw it, I mean, technically, this is my Evil Dead movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going to see it, I think I was 21 years old. This is like the experience that I would have loved to have had in 81. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But um, like you weren't born yet or whatever. Yeah, that I was <laughs> ten years out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um None of us were born. <laughs> no. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. Um one thing I did want to say before I get into production. Mm-hmm. Um around this time in my life, I was greatly inspired by a friend of mine, Jade, who sadly recently passed away. But she really inspired me to write film reviews for a blog. Okay. And this was one of the first reviews that I wrote that I actually felt proud of. And I remember sharing it online and I was at work and I hated my job. Mm-hmm. And um, Bruce Campbell retweeted it. Oh, nice, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's amazing. And so it was just a very amazing moment that this movie became extra special for me. Yeah. And um, none of that would have happened if not for Jade. So yeah. I just want to thank jade for that um but let's um 
bring <laughs> let's bring everything back out. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and we'll get into some of the stuff about the production because the production is very interesting. Okay. I saw this featurette um, on the Blu-ray mm-hmm. and they were talking about the difficulty that came with rebooting this film, especially when you have a fan base that is so, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah. Because they had talked about it for years. Well, you're like, I'm part <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, he looked proud. Yeah, right. Don't fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically what everyone was saying. Yeah. And I think they said that they had, they had a plan, I think, since 2009. Damn. And everybody's talking to them since 90, I think 92 is when Army of Darkness came out. Right. And and they're like, we need a new Evil Dead film. And they realistically, they're like, look, we're not, we're not you're just not going to get one. And so <laughs> um, they, they started to think, <laughs> they started to think of what they could do instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um, they all agreed together. It's Rob Tapper, it's Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. Right. If we're ever going to make a remake, all three of us have to agree on everything. Right. We have to be ready to do this together. Otherwise, why would we do it? Mm-hmm. And so Sam Raimi was gung ho about it the entire time. Yeah. He's like, look, this for me was my opportunity to get my foot in the door. How the hell would it? How the hell? Not how the hell. <laughs> <laughs> no. Why the hell wouldn't we? Is what I was trying right. to say. Right. Why the hell wouldn't we give a young filmmaker the exact Aww. same opportunity? With this material. All right. I thought you were going to say, why wouldn't I take the opportunity to hurt Bruce again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's why Bruce is like, you're not going to get one. <laughs> I think I'm done. Yeah, no more. <laughs> but um, Bruce Campbell was the one that was um, the most hesitant. Okay. For two reasons. One reason is because he didn't realize when you, th- when you think about remaking Evil Dead, mm. you're like, okay, so Ash and his friends go to a cabin. Yeah. Who the fuck's going to play Ash? Well, I, I think that that would be my stipulation. Yeah. <laughs> Ash is done. No, he's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the other reason was the fan backlash. He said there is a very, very big chance that you make an Evil Dead movie and Ash isn't in it and it's going to be pretty disappointing. Oh, yeah. To a lot of people. And so he learns that Sam Raimi has been in contact with a young filmmaker named Fede Alvarez. And Fede Alvarez made a short film called Panic Attack, and it's like three or five minutes long. Mm-hmm. And it has like all these interesting special effects on like a no budget kind of a thing. Uh-huh. And he just made it on the weekends, and it just blows up and goes viral. Damn. So Sam Raimi wants to make Panic Attack into a feature film. Yeah. But. Can it, you imagine? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just call you up. Yeah. Pod Mortem the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm deceased. Sam, who's yeah, that's me? It. Yeah. Um, but. They were trying and trying to get it made, but of course, Hollywood, developmental hell. Right. So while Fede Alvarez has their ear, he pitches them his idea for an Evil Dead remake. Okay. And this Evil Dead remake is a complete reimagining that doesn't at all involve Ash. Now Bruce Campbell's on board. I was gonna yeah. say Bruce Campbell's like, go on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You've got my attention. Yeah. <laughs> you had my curiosity. Yeah. But so they they were all about it. And they had this mindset in mind, Alvarez and Saigas, that they want to take everything that they loved about the original, Mm -hmm. but change certain small things to modernize it and expand as well on the mythos of the Deadites, the Book of the Dead, and 
make it their own, but also pay homage to where they came from. Yeah. And this is the exact mindset that you should have whenever you're trying to remake something. Yeah, oh, yeah. we talk about that all the time. Yeah, because a lot of times it's like, you, you're like, did you hate the first yeah. one? <laughs> did you have something against yeah. that? <laughs> but this one, you can tell that they loved it so much mm-hmm. because everything about it that calls upon the first film it is done with such respect yeah and of course there's a little uh, interesting teaser at the end credits we'll talk about okay oh yeah <laughs> but i mean i don't know i feel like they could not have done a better job and for the bar to be set that high mm-hmm. they told Alvarez <laughs> in an interview this interviewer was like um i did just read online before i came here and i wanted to talk to you because one comment i read it said that they were excited for you but if you fuck this up you're gonna ruin your entire career <laughs> How does cool, it feel? Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> like, how does it feel to deal with that pressure? And he just laughed, and I'm like, I wouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> Being a ball, like, yeah. but I think he knocked it out of the park. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is just this is the measuring stick for every remake for me going forward. Mm-hmm. If you, if look, there, there is honestly, there's no reason you can't be Evil Dead 2013. Yeah. yeah. So what's going on? <laughs> Do better, Do honestly. Better. <laughs> Now, before we feast on this film's soul, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's play Cold Turkey. Now, this film somewhat relies on having already seen The Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. If you haven't, we recommend you go watch them or go listen to episodes 41 and 77 of our show as a refresher. So the film begins with opening credits, accompanied by the sound of buzzing flies. We cut to a shot of sunlight peering through fog to find the silhouette of a figure standing in the middle of the woods. Step by agonizing step, a teenage girl played by Phoenix Connolly walks slowly through the bare trees, her shoes crunching dead leaves and blood dripping from her face and hands. A shadow darts between the trees, startling her. But then off in the distance, she sees the silhouette of a man holding a rifle. She immediately hides behind a tree, and she hears footsteps seemingly moving away from her. But the camera whips around to reveal right beside her is Toothless Redneck, played by Stephen Butterworth. He snatches her up, throws a bag over her head, and takes her to the ground. She struggles, but he just shushes her. Long-haired Redneck, played by Carl Willits, joins him with the rifle in his hands. Toothless tells Longhair that they've caught her, and Longhair delivers a swift bash to her head with the butt of his rifle, knocking her out, and everything goes black. So we're just dropped right in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My first thought was this is really giving Texas Chainsaw Massacre more than it is Evil Dead. Fair point. Okay. But I'm proven wrong in in just a second. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, because you're watching this and you've got your assumptions. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, well, this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it is bad. Don't. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. (laughs) But there, there are various reasons why it's bad. Yeah. And this is what they're credited? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's harsh. Yeah. <laughs> like they're in a band or something, right? They each get a nickname, I guess. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because they're all, um, this film was shot in New Zealand. Okay. And so these are all local New Zealand actors, but they have to pretend to play, I guess, Michigan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's very, very funny to me. But in POV shots, the girl wakes up, small bursts of sunlight peeking through the burlap sack over her head. Chained to a pillar and her dress stained in blood, through her shrouded view, she sees a figure moving towards her. Her shaking voice asks them not to hurt her, and in Welsh, old woman, played by Sean Davis, tells her not to be afraid. 
The camera surveys the woman's tools on a nearby table, covered in blood and lit only by candlelight. The girl asks who she is, but she doesn't answer, and we're instead treated to shot. <laughs> I put treated to shots. We're, we're more tortured with shots of dead cats. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. There is, there is, there are far. The only cat that I like is a happy live cat. Yeah. Yeah. So there are far too many. <laughs> that was a really weird way to. Well, say that. <laughs> <laughs> don't hurt cats. Don't, don't hurt fuck yeah. Up cats. Yeah. Don't. Don't. Yeah, yeah. Just don't do it. This film hurt me personally, <laughs> but we see a lot of those cats, unfortunately and also random trinkets, but the woman turns her attention to a very familiar book and opens it up, explaining that only this evil book can undo what this evil book has done. It checks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she flips through the filthy blood-stained pages, some with profanity and others with iconography of the occult. The girl begs them to let her go home as a man approaches her, removing the sack from her head. In her confusion, the man is revealed to be Harold, played by Jim McLarty. The girl asks... Daddy? Not daddy. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I was very, very surprised. Like, again, when this comes in, you're like, maybe what we saw wasn't what we thought we saw. Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't expecting him to have the choker on that said daddy on the front <laughs> of him. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a deleted no, scene. That- <laughs> <then>. <laughs> I didn't quite catch that. <laughs> All right, wrong movie, wrong movie. Yeah, wow. we're in the kink corner. Right, we, need yeah, to- we need to get, get back- the fuck out. <laughs> get back into that. <laughs> But she asks why he's doing this to her and notices what appears to be a family standing behind him. She asks who they are, and he promises that they're good people and they're here to help. You see a little boy up front? Mm-hmm. That's Rob Tappert's son. Aww. And a little cameo. Yeah. And then the man in the back, Fede Alvarez on commentary, said that he survived two plane crashes. Holy <gasps> shit. Two. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I have no words. Yeah. Not at all. One. 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 Yeah, after is that. Plenty. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking Too buses much. from yeah. now on. I, oh my God. That's terrifying. But I'm glad he's here. Yes. Yeah. But the girl doesn't understand and asks where her mother is. Harold tells her that her mother is dead and says that she knows that. He looks down for a moment, regretfully telling her that she killed her mother. The girl refuses to believe this and through tears just begs to go home again. The old woman flips through the pages again, settling on a drawing of a skeletal-faced woman tied to a post and surrounded by flames. She implores Harold to do it as it's the only way to save her soul. Harold apologizes to his daughter as he unscrews a bottle of gasoline and pours it over her head. It's, it was actually just apple juice, which is very <laughs> funny. <laughs> I mean, they kind of look the same. They do. Yeah. You never <laughs> think about don't, it. Don't, don't do it. Them. Yeah. Don't try it. But she pleads with him, reminding him that she's his daughter. But the woman just urges him on, telling him to give his daughter peace. The music grows tense as Harold fiddles nervously with his matchbook, and his daughter asks him to hold her and take her home. He struggles to strike the match, and his daughter asks him to stop. In brittle tones, she then tells him, I'll rip your soul out, daddy. Well, (laughs) you better strike that match. (laughs) There it is right there. Harold strikes the match, and in the light of it, we see his daughter has transformed into a deadite, her skin pale and her eyes orange and yellow. He drops the match, igniting the gasoline as his daughter demonically shrieks, I'll rip your soul out, you pathetic fuck. Well, she sure showed her true colors, didn't she? (laughs) She had a charade for a little while. (laughs) He set her on fire. Yeah, I'd be pissed too. (laughs) You can't go doing that to people and not expect to get called a pathetic fuck. (laughs) 
But the fire overtakes her as Harold backs away, and she continues with threats of murder and violence. Everyone looks on as her skin melts away, and she arches her back, staring up at the ceiling with a sinister smile. Harold then aims a shotgun at her and tells her he loves her through tears as she just screeches at him before pulling the trigger and ending her life. We then get the title, Evil Dead, with brittle branches stretching through every letter. It looks really cool. Oh, it looks great. Oh, no. Fantastic. This is this is different, but it is so... So I feel like this is a bit of a play on the, the second movie. Okay. Because remember, the daughter goes looking for her mom and dad at the cabin, and the mom's already in the fruit cellar. Ah, that's right. So oh. Henrietta. So, and now, the, this is the, it's kind of, I feel like, the same family or a symbol of the same, you know, the mother, the... Yeah. And the and she turned and killed the mom. So I, I, I was because I was watching and I was like, wait, that's interesting. The same thing happened in two. Yeah. Kind of. You know what I mean? The daughter went to go look for her parents. He had to kill his wife, buried her in the fruit cellar. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, no, you did it this time. So it's all I mean, it's, it's a reimagining. Yeah. Which I mean, that happens so often in this. There's so many little moments that you're like, well, that happened almost exactly in the first yeah. one. But you're doing it your way. Yeah. And, and you love to see it. Oh, no. Yeah. Fantastic. I do have to say this is uh, one hell of... I was going to call it a cold open, but she did get set on fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hot open. <laughs> it's a hot open. Um, but it kind of establishes this different tone in this film that we're going to be taking. And we kind of know from the get-go that we're going to have a different experience here. Yeah. Which yeah. I like. I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. I did also learn on commentary that the fire... Now, let me finish before you react. Because <laughs> 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 the fire isn't CG. But they did not burn this girl. (laughs) Please explain faster. (laughs) They shot the fire against a blue screen and then composited it in. Okay. So the fire is real. Right. It's just made. And it looks great. Yeah, it does. All the fire in this movie looks really good. All of the effects in this movie. Yeah, everything. There's stuff in this movie that makes my skin crawl. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. It's, It's unbelievable. Yeah. But we cut to a shot of lush trees as a camera twists overhead and somber piano plays. And we find a red Jeep on a long stretch of road. So first of all, the aerial shot reminded me of The Shining. Mm -hmm. Take Take a shot. shot. Secondly, do you guys remember? And like for me, in my mind, it was the early Internet days or whatever. When there was that German car commercial. Oh, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. And you're watching it at the very end. It's the jump scare with the horrifying face. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. I was expecting that to happen. Well, it'll, this reminded me of it a lot. It'll happen in about 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to call out the score in this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it is it's so really great. Good. Oh, yeah. It was composed by Roque Banos. He also did His House and The Machinist. Hell oh, nice. yeah, dude. All right. Both of those movies are fucking fantastic. Yeah, very they are. good. But there are so many different, like, this somber piano is fantastic. It's kind of the theme of the film. Mm-hmm. But then there's some, like, operatic stuff yeah. later. Yeah. It's brilliant. But there's one very lovely shot as the Jeep drives through a creek. And this is going to become very important later. So remember that shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And since we're talking about shots, the cinematography is also great in this film. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was done by a guy called Aaron Morton. He mostly works in television. He did shoot two episodes of Black Mirror, but he shot 47 of the 50 episodes of Orphan Black as well. Okay. Cool. <laughs> None of I've us never have seen, seen Orphan Black. <laughs> that's, that's just for the people who watch Orphan Black. <laughs> I hope you appreciated that. <laughs> but the camera slowly pans from a wooden swing on a porch to catch the car pulling up and parking in front of the cabin. 
not to spoil what happens next in the film because I think we we know where we're going. Yes. But when we get the first shot of the cabin, very subliminally and very lowly, you hear someone say, join us. Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. But out of the Jeep steps David, played by Shiloh Fernandez. It's the dude from Dead Girl. Remember that Dead is, Girl? Yeah. I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. But, but holy but shit. But that happened. <laughs> it did. Yeah. <laughs> But he is immediately greeted by Olivia, played by Jessica Lucas, who jokingly calls him Mr. Hot Shit City Boy. They hug each other with some implied history, as Natalie, David's girlfriend, played by Elizabeth Blackmore, stands there kind of awkwardly. It, it is awkward. It is yeah. very awkward. He introduces her to Olivia, who refers to her as the heartbreaker from his car shop, and Natalie mistakenly calls Olivia a doctor when she's actually a nurse, so the awkwardness just continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a very annoyed Eric, played by Lou Taylor Pucci, sits in the back of Olivia's car, scolding David for being two hours late. Not Benji. (laughs) (laughs) I was real excited. I thought you were going to laugh because his name was Pucci. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's great. And dude, for me, he is the rock and talk. He's my favorite character in this movie, like bar none. And I feel like he's he's a real step up for me from Scotty. Okay. For sure. Because he's kind of the Scotty role, but he is he, he proves himself to be very, very good. He's the smartest one, and that's why I get so mad at him. Yeah. Well, he, let's just say he makes one bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it counts as more than one, yeah. but, but I mean, technically you are correct. We'll debate. Yeah. <laughs> we'll debate that. <laughs> but David asks Eric if teaching high school has finally turned him into a bitter old coot, but he tells him no. David did by keeping them waiting all morning. <laughs> yeah, he's he's pissed. Yeah, I really did appreciate that they found a way in the you know forty five seconds Dude, that everyone. we've all met to name everyone's career. Yeah, <laughs> I literally have it. I said okay, mechanic, nurse, teacher, heartbreaker. Just <laughs> it's 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 part of one of those like exposition things in screenwriting. Yeah, but at the same time, it is important to know what everyone is because everything comes into play. It does, yeah. except for Natalie. And I do feel bad because I did hear in commentary that a lot of Natalie's scenes got cut. Okay, really? I, yes. I felt like it was just me because no. I know I have in my notes at some point later that I had kind of forgotten that she was there. Yes. No. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I feel like she's very, you know. And I know you're going to get into it, but we have like this core group and she's an outsider in that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you really feel it. Like I'd forgotten she was there at one point. You could almost call them the core four, but you could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could. I feel like that does kind of come into play and it is a bit of a negative because I would like to know about her character. Yeah. Right. Because very, very interesting things happen to her. Yeah. Extremely interesting yeah. things. And I, I feel like you need a little more characterization for when you tell us why we're here yes why are you bringing your girlfriend to this yes and honestly she doesn't know anybody like that is kind of shitty this isn't thanksgiving no not at all no but david and eric hug with david providing about 90 percent of the embrace Mm -hmm. when it's over eric very matter of fact tells david that she's waiting for him in the back Peering up from a very nifty sketch of the cabin, the camera pulls back to find Mia, David's sister, played by Jane Levy, wearing a Michigan State sweater, smoking a cigarette, and sitting on the hood of a rusted out 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88. Naturally. Naturally. Now, this is the clue 
from Fede Alvarez right. that this is not a remake. This is a continuation. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I get that. And, and I thought that too, but I don't know. I feel like the house doesn't look exactly the same. Oh, it doesn't, but... I mean, it's been... Use uh, your imagination. No, I know, I know, but... <laughs> well, because the, the, this family stayed here, so maybe they made some changes. Okay, yeah, you know? true, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. And let's get rid of all that shit in the basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should have started there. That's right. <laughs> but sunlight cuts through the branches of trees as David steps into frame, Mia muttering a surprised, I'll be damned. She says she can't believe that he actually came, but he tells her that he's her big brother. Of course he did. So again, we have to establish their siblings. Yeah. <laughs> Very like, are early. You st- are you enjoying working at that restaurant still? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a mechanic. <laughs> As we all know, you know. <laughs> but she apologizes for looking like roadkill, and he tells her that she looks beautiful, as always. She retorts that he's a charming liar, as always. They smile at each other, but their moment is interrupted by the joyful barking of a dog. We see Grandpa the dog, played by Inca, rush over to Mia, who is happy to see him. Now, <laughs> me, a very, very, very absurd 21-year-old in the movie theater, Yeah, I was like, the dog's name is Grandpa? Is the soul of her grandfather? <laughs> that was my first thought. Because things get so supernatural here. I'm like, maybe he is. Okay. Maybe this dog is her grandfather. I don't yeah. know. Well, my next note is, is the dog named grandpa? All right. Well, yeah. so we I both... wasn't going to say it because uh, you've established it. Yeah. But... Well, but I've made me dumber. <laughs> so that gives you the freedom. The dog's name is grandpa? I know. Yeah, that mine is just that's a weird name for a dog. It is. I don't but in all honesty, it's cute, yeah. it made me think that that would actually be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. But as they sit down on the hood together, Mia remarks that they used to love coming to this place. But suddenly, David spots something behind Mia's ear. He reaches for it fearfully to reveal a necklace that he bought her. He places it into her opened hand, telling her that it's made from a buckthorn tree and is supposed to make her will stronger. So, again, yeah, Evil Dead. Yeah. I, I very much appreciated this. Oh, no. Yeah. I know it's a different material because the other one's like stainless steel or something. or But I, it's still the same like shape and everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just love to see it. Yeah. But Mia reminds David that he doesn't believe in that stuff. But David says that she does. So maybe it'll work. I found that to be very sweet. That is. Yeah. But she agrees and she gathers her things. She steps off the car, ready to get going with what they have planned, but stops in her tracks. She turns around and very earnestly asks David to promise her that he'll stay with her until the end. He says that he isn't going anywhere, but she implores him to cross his heart. He promptly does, closing it out with hope to die. It's a poor choice of words. I was say, yeah. don't, don't say that. I didn't ask for all yeah, that. Yeah, don't say yeah. that. Just cross it and we'll, we'll go outside or whatever. Well, we're already outside. <laughs> we'll go to the front of the house. <laughs> but we cut to the group gathered around Noel behind the cabin. They stare into it as Mia makes things official. She asks for her friends and family to witness this act, an irrevocable promise of her commitment that... But then she ditches the formality with a fuck it before dumping a baggie of heroin into the well, promising to never touch this shit ever again. 
Can we get our money back for it? We can buy <laughs> snacks. Snacks. Yeah, just take it back. Snacks. Yeah, just yeah. like, look, I, I'm sorry, sir. I don't need this anymore. I mean, my note was good for her. No, but, yeah. You know, yeah, also. I guess we're also trying <laughs> to have <laughs> That's snacks. That's money well, down the well. well and we don't have any snacks. Well, yeah, we're out here in the cabin. <laughs> we need something to eat. Well, we haven't been to the cabin yet. There might be snacks in there. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Somebody left one. It's like a 30-year-old bag of Doritos. Right. Or something. I was going to say, I don't know if I want anything from in there. But she crumples the bag in her hand and throws it down. As it twists in the wind to its watery grave, Mia is resolute, saying, okay, let's play cold turkey. Now, very quickly, I am not a drug counselor or really anyone of any kind of repute or reputation. Mm-hmm. But according to a ton of detox centers and organizations, this is dangerous as fuck. Okay. Yeah, I was I was is. wondering when and if we were going to talk about how much of a horrible idea this is. Yeah, this is, <laughs> like, yes. please don't do that. I think it's clearly why they made Olivia a nurse. Right. So that there's some kind of medical personnel on site with what's happening. Right, right. But even so, they're out in a cabin in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. And that, no. Not only And that. going cold turkey yes. on heroin? Yeah. Period. Not I good. I mean, ugh. Yeah, what kind, of, what kind of supplies did you bring? Did you just exactly. stop yeah. and get like a first aid kit or- And what hospital is she working at? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to take these. I need this yeah. shit. <laughs> it's going to be a long weekend. Yeah. I just don't, I don't this like, isn't this good. This is wild. <laughs> but Mia stands with grandpa as the group gathers on the porch of the cabin. David snags a key, hoping that it still works. And this is when I realized why Eric was so pissed. Because if Eric's, if uh, David's bringing the key, and they've been waiting, and they've been waiting, oh, yeah, that's why they're still outside because they yeah, can't get that's in. Shitty. I'd be mad too. Though. Yeah. It also there was a definite vibe that nobody was really fully expecting him to show up. No. Yeah. And so, what was their other plan then? I don't know. Just break in. Yeah. Why not? Well, we see very shortly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because David reaches for the door. The plank of wood that had the lock on it attached is now completely broken off. And so he just pushes it open. This to me, I was like, this is your next all over again. Yeah. There's going to be a rabbit under the bed or whatever the <laughs> fuck. <laughs> whatever or, the animal 20 was. 20 more animals. <laughs> <laughs> like we can't all be. <laughs> but David spots a crowbar on the floor, picking it up and noting that it looks like someone broke in. Mia takes notice of a smell, and Eric surmises that teenagers probably broke in to get drunk and make it sweet. Mia remarks that their mother would have hated to see the place like this, so David says that they should make the place livable again. So, according to commentary, Mm -hmm. some of this was filmed on location with a house that they built properly. Or a cabin, I guess I should say. Okay. But a lot of the interior is actually a set, and so there's a lot of switching depending on which shots you see. Okay. You can't tell. You can't tell. No, at all. Some scenes are filmed on location. Some scenes are filmed on set. I think there's some giveaways, like if you look out the window and you can see the, like a forest in a distance, mm, it's probably okay. on location. Okay, okay. But very rarely do you even think about it. Yeah. yeah. The production designer was a guy called Robert Gillies, and he worked on every single episode of Xena, which was developed by Sam Raimi and Rob Tapper. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, I didn't know that. I remember that show. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think this place has been clean since the second movie. Uh, so definitely not. So this is my thing is like, this is the family cabin, right? Yeah. Are these kids like 50 or something? Because oh, yeah. this place is fucking filthy. Yeah. yeah. When was the last time you were here? Well, and there's pictures of them up and they don't look that much younger. No. Than yeah. now. So what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this place has seen better days. Yeah. But Mia breaks off from the rest of the group, heading off into one of the bedrooms, and she finds a photo of herself, Eric, David, and Olivia as teenagers. I have to say, 
I have seen a lot of films where they attempt to do things like mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And it looks horrible. Yeah. yeah. This is the best photo Photoshop I've probably ever seen in a film. Yeah. It looks good. They all look it looks like real. themselves. So it, it's honestly nauseating sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is fantastic. <laughs> but Mia sees a photo of herself and David at a better time. But then she opens up what appears to be an old diary to find a photo of herself and David with their mother. She pins that photo to the wall as David walks in to check on her. She asks if he remembers that old lullaby that their mom used to sing to them. She remembers bits and pieces of it, something along the lines of, baby, little baby, it's time to say goodbye. It was at this moment, I'm like, why is every lullaby terrifying? Yeah. yeah. Every, like, you're on a tree, you're <laughs> like, oh. on the brakes. I was like, I remember that. I remember that lullaby. Sweet baby. I was like, yeah. No. Best of all no. time. That one's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's nothing negative. <laughs> but when Mia goes in for the second line, David tells her to stop because she doesn't need sad memories in her head right now. Mia's taken aback. She didn't think this was a sad memory. David tells her that she knows what he means. This is where things kind of take a bit of a turn. Yeah. With Mia asking David if he knew that in their mother's last days at the hospital, she sometimes thought Mia was him. She says that she even called Mia David for a whole day once. She says that she played along, but David interrupts her again, saying that he wanted to be there, but by the time that their mom was very sick, he had just gotten his job at a garage in Chicago and found it very difficult to find the time to come back. And then it was too late. With palpable emotion, Mia says that David was lucky not to see her mom like she did before she leaves the room. This is just heartbreaking. Yeah. And you can really see where some of this tension is coming from because you feel it when he gets there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you also kind of feel, obviously, for Mia because it's like she feels like she was abandoned by him. And so that is, well, I'll be damned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's here. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just for my taste... They did not search this house enough for me to be convinced that there's still not people in here. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, no they, sure. they felt like they poked their head in and said, nope, it's cool. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> Look, if they get us, they get us. <laughs> <laughs> Where else are we going to stay? Because <laughs> there is a whole floor downstairs. Yeah, dude. No sure. <laughs> yeah. it's fine. We did a very cursory glance. Yeah. I just, I don't appreciate well, it. Well, they don't know that yet. No, that's true. Yeah, that is true. So you guys want this room? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But after an atmospheric shot of the cabin, we cut to David repairing the front door with a nail gun in the setting sun. Eric sits on the porch swing with a deck of cards as Mia and Natalie play with Grandpa a little ways away. So the deck of cards is an homage to the first film with Cheryl guessing yeah. before mm. she's like, Jack of clubs! And yeah. All that. Yeah. <laughs> she was a deadite. Yeah. <laughs> she was. She was. But Olivia walks up to David telling him that there's something that he needs to know. They tried this with Mia before in Flint last summer, and she made the exact same promises, the exact same ceremony as before, and she only lasted eight hours before quitting. I was like, oh no. Yeah. So this time, they're not giving her that chance. Olivia says that when Mia breaks, which she will, they're not going to let her leave. David is a bit incredulous that they could keep Mia here, but Eric tells him that this time the only way is the hard way. And Olivia says that Mia won't survive another overdose. David reacts with shock as he never knew that Mia overdosed in the first place. 
But Eric sells the gravity of the situation even more. Mia didn't just overdose. Legally, she died and they had to defibrillate her. David watches on as Mia and Natalie continue playing with Grandpa in the distance, and Olivia tells him that they all need to be on the same page. Otherwise, this won't work. David tells her that he came to fix things with Mia, not make things worse, and he says that if Mia asks him to take her home, he's going to. That put me in the mind of the girl at the beginning asking to be taken home. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, hmm, a little foreshadowing. Okay. Mm, you know? yeah. and Interesting. also, Ash... Uh, had an incident with his sister trying to drive her away from the cabin. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you're really setting up a lot. All right, all right. You know? Yeah. It's such a difficult situation to be in. It is. Because either way, you feel like you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. This is probably why you shouldn't do this in a cabin in in the the middle of nowhere. Yeah. These are all fair points. Please go to a hospital. (laughs) Yes. But that night, a thunderstorm rages outside the dimly lit cabin as Mia suffers through withdrawals. She screams and cries, complaining of a smell in the house, collapsing in sobs as Olivia comforts her. In one moment, David stands in the doorway and Mia seemingly glares at him before her face softens and Olivia assures her that they're all here for her. That moment I was like, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But nothing's wrong yet. But it's again, I'm already feeling uneasy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the camera glides up a grandfather clock in the living room before cutting to Olivia injecting Mia's hand with, according to the screenplay, diazepam, and telling her that it'll help with the withdrawals overnight. Mia complains about the smell in the cabin once again, saying that she doesn't understand what's wrong with them that they can't smell it. She says that there's something dead and it reeks. Natalie says that there isn't a smell, and Olivia tells Mia that she's just extra sensitive right now. But Grandpa walks over to a very specific part of a rug on the floor. Mm-hmm. Grandpa was like, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> you smell this fucking rings yeah. in here. <laughs> he paws at it, which gets David's attention. David pulls the rug away in an overhead shot, revealing the door to the cellar, complete with a smear of blood right next to it. I love it. It's great. Would anyone else be ready to leave as soon as they saw oh, that? Oh, no, yeah. We gotta go. The blood... That, no, yeah, then the yeah, crowbar, the broken thing. Yeah. We're fine. We've been fine till right now. Yeah. Let's, let's go. get the yeah, fuck out of here. Yeah. I don't. Um... Gang's all here. Still <laughs> yeah. alive. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. There's one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. <laughs> also, the dog, I guess, five and a half. Yeah. Let's, let's get out of here. But everyone stands and takes notice. And in standard horror movie fashion, they immediately open it. They gather around in a shot very reminiscent of the original and we hear flies buzzing around as they cover their faces from the smell. Mia asks what Olivia's medical diagnosis is now, and she replies, it fucking stinks. I bet. It looks like it stings down there. I don't think you need a degree for that. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, though, it is very interesting to me that Mia smelled it, Grandpa smelled it, and what we find down here, Mm -hmm. everybody should have been like, holy yeah, this place reeks. Yeah. I was just very shocked that everyone's like, oh, you're you're just going through withdrawals. You're yeah. fine. But David and Eric carefully make their way down the steps. And once they get to the bottom, Eric complains that it smells like burnt hair. They creep their way over to a door and open it, blasted in the face with a stronger stench. The camera pulls back to reveal dozens of cat carcasses hanging from the ceiling, flies buzzing all around them. They said on commentary that the flies are basically the only purely CGI thing in the entire film. Okay. That's really I, I, yeah. cool. It's amazing. Yeah. Especially with some of the stuff we see later. Yeah. 
And, and if the blood wasn't enough, this room has to Literally. be enough. Yeah, I don't know what more you need. Just this again. Just no. This. <laughs> yeah, this is it. That's, that's all. it, right? Yeah. If if it was a, I get okay. I'm curious. Let's you know make sure nobody's hurt or whatever. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I can I can understand that. You want to make sure everybody's safe. You don't want to leave anybody behind. Uh huh. But then you find this. I I think our search is done. Yeah. We can go. Yeah. yeah. I'll send someone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll we'll let send someone help. know. Yes. That what we found we'll here. Know, right. Yes. We will be back. <laughs> yeah. And then never come yeah, back. <laughs> but Eric supposes that it could be witchcraft. But David is distracted when he sees a wooden post burnt black. He remarks that something burned here. We then get a flashback to the teenage deadite girl being lit on fire, which I think is unnecessary. Yeah. That actually made me laugh. I was like, I love that they showed us that in case we forgot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, of course, that's what that is. Yeah. It was striking. I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Forget. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I understand why they did it, but I don't I don't like um, I guess whenever the filmmaker tries to hold your hand. Yeah. It's like we got it. Yeah, we know what that is. We, I didn't forget the cats. I yeah. didn't forget them. <laughs> Good Lord. But Eric motions over to a desk in the corner where they find a shotgun with two shells and a book wrapped tightly in a trash bag and tied up with barbed wire. They take what they found back upstairs and the camera circles around the group as they discuss what their next steps are. David says that he'll bury the cats out back later and Natalie says that that should take care of the smell. Mia cares less about that and more about whatever the hell the people were doing down there. She posits that it was voodoo, but Eric says that voodoo is more personal. This is something different. Olivia tells him that that's enough, but Mia, full of nerves, tells them that they shouldn't have touched anything from the basement. You know, I agree with Mia yeah. Yeah, I'm on gonna, this mm -hmm. one. Go ahead and agree. I will say in the screenplay, Olivia, she doesn't say, Eric, please. She says, baby, please. And it's way more clear in the screenplay that they're a couple. Yeah. Because here, they don't really play that up at all. Yeah. They, they don't. don't. Yeah. I was thinking later on, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that it's it's not. Yeah. I understand. I mean, they're a little busy. Yeah. There's you a know? lot going on. There's, <laughs> there's a lot happening. Yeah. A lot um, of moving parts. A lot of yeah. and if they had, severed like, parts. So. Yeah. <laughs> Shoehorned in a situation with them, we'd be like, okay, like, you know, your friend needs you. Why are you doing this right yeah. now? But, you know. <laughs> but I mean, they're... They, 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 could have been clearer for right, sure right and i think for me if you knew that a moment later would be sold way more yeah okay okay yeah for definitely but i mean i understand yeah they had to cut a lot actually like they they said that there were it was just a matter of streamlining right right and you feel it because the way the film moves the pacing is kind of perfect yeah and so you're like would it take away if we had an extra whatever I minutes would, right, right. i would like to no, I I'll be the judge of that. Like, yeah. I would like to see it. There's a poster all over again. Yeah. <laughs> but the camera dips down to the wrapped up book sitting on the coffee table with the shotgun and a box of shells. Later on, Natalie uses an electric carving knife to slice some of the most disgusting meat I've ever personally seen. I, w <laughs> I was going to say, we're all in agreement that we're not fucking eating. No, that, no, right? no, no, no. Yeah. Why does it look like that? It's like, don't cook for us ever again. Yeah. <laughs> if this is what's happening that meat was blue yeah, yeah. i don't like my meat blue <laughs> i just don't like it i'm I, not gonna eat it 
<laughs> I was just thinking food, and we just came from the basement and seen all that shit. That's and true. now the that, cellar's open. You yeah. know that whole cabin fucking stinks. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, your nose has got to have a little bit of that smell oh. left in it. We're gonna eat in the jeep. Yeah, yeah. Let's go <laughs> That's have just a picnic. What's happen. But I do. I mean, I like the foreshadowing. Yes, especially with who's holding the knife. Yeah, yeah. it's very interesting. But cook your meat, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Podmore and PSA. <laughs> But Olivia joins her to set the table, but through the window and out in the rain, they see Mia pacing outside the cabin. Soaking wet, she walks in circles. But inside of one of the bedrooms, and amidst the sounds of whispers, Eric sits at a desk, unable to stifle his curiosity, and we find the book sitting on the desk right in front of him. <laughs> Eric? <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and he's doing it by himself. And he's doing it by himself while they're still planning on staying here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm appalled. He's still the rocking dog. <laughs> <laughs> but I am a little, uh, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because with a wire cutter, Eric makes short work of the barbed wire, wrenching it open and tearing through the bag to reveal what appears to be leathery flesh. What a it's it is. Flesh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give it all away yet. It, it kind of reminded me when Beeman was tearing open the Bible. Oh, yeah. And Constantine. Oh, yeah. Uh, poor Beeman. Beeman. <laughs> He's I've, a superhero. I've made him a superhero. <laughs> but Eric appears shocked for a moment when he sees this, but continues tearing the bag open. He switches on a nearby lamp and opens the book. With a sketch of a goat inside, he reads the title, Naturum Demonto. Just stop. Yeah. Just stop. Great title. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Look, you know, sometimes you shouldn't judge a book <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by its cover. Sometimes I think. Sometimes you absolutely, absolutely should. Yeah. <laughs> that should have been my Anne Remember, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do want to point out that this is the title originally said by Professor Nobi in the first film. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until Evil Dead 2 where they started calling it the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. Right. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know why they made the switch. Huh. Yeah. Because I think the Naturum Demonto is cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, again, Necronomicon Ex Mortis is cool too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you really either one. But um, the book was designed by Roger Murray. He's uncredited as a prop designer in this film, mm -hmm. but he also worked on 30 Days of Night in the art department. Okay. Oh. But I love the look of this book. Oh, yeah. Everything about it, the sketches. I think my favorite part is the implied history with all the different writing in it. Yeah. yeah. All the people that have found it and have tried to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe fell under what the fuck happened. Yeah, maybe oh, we yeah. should like stop trying to figure it out though curiosity like, man does anyone, yeah. does that, has anyone <laughs> thought of trying that i'm curious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm a curious cat yeah oh shit the yeah, cats maybe no. that's don't make me think of the cats. that again <laughs> thanks a lot nay blame nay all right <laughs> he flips through the book observing various occult drawings and words of warning scrawled scratchily in red let's hope it's ink Let's it's say let's, <laughs> let's go with best case scenario that it is just a red pen. Yes. Read what it's saying. Oh, it's yeah. saying don't, <laughs> don't open it. Please. Don't read it. These are desperate, desperate messages. Yeah. Please just listen. Read them and listen. Mm -hmm. Eric goes on. <laughs> Eric does not listen. No, he does not. Violent passages call for burning bodies, shattering bones, and urge the reader to leave this book alone. But as Eric turns a page, he slices his finger and his blood drips into the book. 
Now you're really gone and done it. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't shove his finger into his mouth to suck the blood. So he's not evil. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he's my favorite character. <laughs> but in this moment, he sees written in the corner of the page he's on, don't say it, don't write it, don't hear it. They open the door to him. I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it, it's pretty clear. They left no room yeah. to interpret anything. Mm-mm. I can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> None of it. Can't write it. Can't hear it. No. Nope. What else is there? Eric goes on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he feels grooves drawn deeply into the next page, and he rips out a piece of notebook paper to create a transfer. I, what was it that we just covered where it was like, this is some Scooby-Doo shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was that? Because <laughs> everyone was so impressed. <laughs> like, it's, it's not that great. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> But naturally, Eric disregards the warnings of the book, and as each word is transferred in graphite, he reads them. Kunda. We see the POV of the evil force whipping its way through the barren forest. Astrada. The force rages on, and we see Mia walking in circles around the cabin. Montese. The force rips past trees, growing closer and closer to the cabin. Kanda. In total silence, the force reaches Mia, and the silence is broken by a screech of a demonic face, and Mia vomits and falls to her knees. So you can read this, but you can't read the English warning. <laughs> telling you to not <laughs> yeah. fucking read this? Yeah, telling yeah. you to not read, think, look at it. <laughs> look, all I'm saying is that if I if I were to get a piece of paper... And scratch these words, I'd be feeling pretty national treasure right no, now. Fuck. <laughs> and you'd have to stop me from, <laughs> from saying all this oh, shit. No. no, absolutely Look, not. I don't I don't mean that. No. Yeah, I'm like, no fucking way. Um, no. I think in all in all reality, I think the second that I opened the trash bag and saw what the book looked like, uh-huh. we're gathering all our bags. Yeah. We're, yes. We're leaving. No, walking into the cellar. <laughs> okay, that's no, also yeah. true. I was gonna say, see, I might be leading us into uh, abandoned zoos and all that but i'm not trying to read from the book of the dead like I, i'm not gonna i guess i'm grateful for that at least that is true i think we it was, was in an episode of talk mortem when we talked about your um trip to an abandoned zoo yeah that uh, <laughs> i just brought it up the other day i was yeah, like if we did. watched that in a movie you'd be like no why the fuck are they going in there but you're like hey let's go further in well, here yeah well, you, was scary. You, you don't know you're in a horror movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until you're in a horror movie. I was movie. like, I'm not trying to ruin the party, but I'm fucking, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting the fuck out of here. But Mia just begs God for a break. But off in the distance, through twisted branches, Mia sees a figure in a white dress, his face covered in hair and beckoning to her in a whisper. Mia. I have to say. This entire sequence is fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every single thing that's happened here, the editing, mm-hmm. the cinematography, the music, the everything. It's just very, very excellent filmmaking. Oh, yeah. And this is kind of where I... Because that's one thing that Sam Raimi, his camera tricks, his camera angles right, and everything, right. I feel like they're really trying to evoke Raimi. Mm-hmm. For sure. But do their own thing with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what was my next note was that I really appreciate how a lot of this feels like such an homage. Yes. Um, it's just, it's really fucking cool. Uh, the movement of the evil force through the trees. Yeah. That's, that's never not going to give me a nostalgic, like warmth. Hell <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just love it so much. 
But Mia immediately busts back into the cabin, grabbing her things for a hasty exit. <laughs> I, th- she's got the right idea. Yeah. Yes. Like, change of plans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have seen some shit in the forest. But Olivia tells her that the slumber party isn't over yet, trying to keep things light, but Mia isn't about it. She grabs her purse and tells Olivia that she's going insane here. Olivia grabs her by the shoulders, and Mia says that she feels like she's losing her mind. David enters the room, asking Mia what's going on. She tells her brother that she will go through with her detox, but she can't do it here. This is when Olivia drops the bomb, telling Mia that they've decided that they're not going to take her back. Eric tells her that they can't lose her again, and she's going to have to stick it out this time. <laughs> In my mind, I imagine Eric's eyes are just all white. And he's like, <laughs> trying to, Having- yeah, we can't lose <laughs> you again. He's <laughs> <laughs> clearly fucking just gone. <laughs> I, I have in I have in my notes as well. Um, I went through David, Mia, Eric, Olivia. Natalie is also there. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I, keep, I forgot that she was there. Yeah, but I, it's just to my point. Eric was just doing some real freaky shit in the other room, yeah. and he's just gonna roll up like, "Yeah, Mia, don't leave." Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you weren't just fucking. It's like no. Oh, and one little tip. <laughs> tidbit of trivia that i do remember reading like 10 years ago yeah but david eric yeah olivia and natalie d-e-m-o-n yeah Yeah. very cool that was real cool Yeah. yeah but mia pleads with david to drive her home but he tells her that they might be right mia tells him that he was supposed to support her not them he tells her that that's why he came here but she tells him that she's such an idiot to think for once in her life that she could count on him she tears up the necklace that he gave her and storms off to her room with a fuck you very much to the rest of the group. David picks up the pieces of the necklace and Natalie tries to comfort him. Eric goes to talk to Mia and Olivia just tells him to leave her alone, but he goes in anyway, but he only finds <laughs> a curtain flowing in the breeze of her opened window. She Lionel Hudson. <laughs> I must use the restroom. <laughs> But didn't she grab the keys she before did. you should have known? She did. Yeah. I just think it's so funny to think of her just climbing out the yeah. window. That is very funny to me. But there's a scene too where when they go in the room, the windows open and right the the curtains are blowing. It's I mean these slight. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But Olivia's car comes to life in front of the house, the engine revving. Mia puts the pedal to the metal, driving away as fast as she can and leaving the group behind in frustration. I was like, she stole the car? Yeah. What else is she going to do? More like Mina, am I um, right? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> right? You were too... Pr- yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Nate. It's very yeah, yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah. It's very mean yeah. to steal the car. <laughs> yeah. Well, was, is it her car, though? I don't I think mean, so. No. Oh, was it? Yeah, she yeah. stole someone's car. That is mean. Right? Yes. <laughs> but as she speeds down the road, Mia screams plenty of the fuck word and asks herself what she's even doing. But through the rain, she sees that white dressed figure in the middle of the road, blood imbuing the fabric as it screeches at her. Mia jerks the wheel to the left, careening through trees down an embankment and into a body of water. Now you got a lawsuit on your hands. <laughs> Everything goes black, and we come back to the car stranded in a swamp as Mia regains consciousness. She looks around, touching the wound at her forehead and attempting to restart the car with no success. She pulls her purse from the water that's collected on the floor of the vehicle before stepping out of the car and neck deep into a swamp. They said on commentary that the crash itself and the purse bit are slight homages to David Lynch's Wild at Heart. 
which I thought was very random and interesting. Yeah. I've never seen Wild at Heart. Uh-uh. I do know it's got a great cast, so. Okay. And it's David Lynch. Yeah. yeah. Let's watch it tonight. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they also said that the swamp is real and on location. Okay. But they found a way with the production to heat the water so Jane Levy wasn't uncomfortable. Oh, that's All right. good. But she plays so well that it's freezing cold. Yeah. But she struggles through the water, climbing her way out as the evil force descends on her through the woods. She hears the group calling out to her and peers behind herself over her shoulder back at the car. In the water, a figure emerges covered in mud, scaring the shit out of her. The figure was there the whole time. The way that it's hid is like really, really good. The whole time it's just laying in the mud Mm -mm. and then it appears. It's a very, very, very decent scare. (laughs) That's all I'm trying to say. But Mia screams and runs away. But the evil force gives chase in frantic POV shots, croaking her name. In the pursuit, Mia trips over a branch and tumbles into a claustrophobic prison of branches. It's very interesting because the way that they cut this, Mm -hmm. it starts on location, but midway through her crawling through these branches, it switches to a set. Oh, shit. I couldn't tell at all. You would never know. I also really, really like the shot through that like hole in the branches. I thought that was really cool. It's fantastic. But she tries to rush through the branches, but one of them wraps around her wrist, holding her back. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, that forest ain't friendly. No, no, no. Mm-mm. She's just singing through the trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A bop. Yes. But another branch cinches around her throat, strangling her. As she reaches up to relieve the pressure, more branches seize her. Mia then sees the figure standing right in front of her among the branches. Its face covered in blood, it raises its head and is revealed to be... Mia. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) But in a brilliant dolly zoom shot, the demonic Mia is surrounded by branches. She opens her mouth and from it spills blackness and a vine that wriggles around like a snake, making its way towards Mia. And I'm sorry, folks, but it's about to get a little blue. Mm -hmm. The branches pull Mia's legs apart and the vine slithers up them inside of her. Mia inhales deeply before letting out a blood curdling scream. The demonic Mia opens her mouth, its eyes as orange and yellow as the teenagers from before, and bellows a growl. So this scene was actually Rob Tappert's idea. Okay. In the original screenplay for the remake, Mia fights, and it sounds funny, but I'm sure they would have done it well, but Mia fights a dead-eyed coyote. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. No, no, no. I don't know. I don't know. No, no. It could have been great. (laughs) I don't know what. Yeah, no, no. I don't mean like what I was expecting (laughs) you to say. (laughs) I don't mean like a fist fight or anything. Like they're both equally matched or whatever, but they both have boxing gloves. I don't know how it works, but all I know is that they didn't go (laughs) Yeah, that's all I imagine. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Ding, ding, ding. Round one. (laughs) Um, The other thing, though, the vine, once again, was practical. It It was shot on a blue screen and then composited in. The wriggling of that vine is not CG. Oh, wow. That's really cool. It looks good. Yeah. I those, just that, those trees, man. What's the oh. matter with the fucking woods? There? Yeah, I need to chill the fuck out. Yeah, but this a... is also from the first movie. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's done differently. It is, but similarly. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it that to be redone at all. No, yeah. I didn't think that would be in this at all. Me yeah. neither. And I will say one thing that is very interesting to me is that because of the things that are happening to Mia, 
I am setting myself in, up in my mind for certain character dynamics, mm-hmm. for certain people to kind of be representative of certain people from the first film. Yeah. And that's not exactly the case. No, no not, not at, at all. all. And it's very, very cool to be wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I want to say that that helps. I feel like that helps the shit out of this movie. Yes. Because you do expect that after seeing this. And then it's like, oh, shit, here we go. And it's not at all what happens. Not at all. But Mia's screams echo through the woods as Olivia and David search for her, calling out. They find her collapsed next to a tree and bring her back to the cabin. Olivia gives her medical aid and returns to the group with David asking how Mia's doing. Olivia says that she's talking about a woman she saw in the woods and says that the trees attacked her, but she just shrugs it off as, quote, crazy withdrawal talk, unquote. That's a, uh, that's a medical diagnosis. Wow. Um, I... For me, they found her injured. Yes. Yeah. So again, I know we already covered they really shouldn't have been doing this here in the first place. Mm-hmm. But at this point, they should have taken her straight to get help. Absolutely. I know that she wrecked that car, but there are two cars. Uh-huh. Like she she needs medical attention. Yeah. She doesn't need to be taken back to this fucking crusty ass cabin. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you're going to be dealing with a lot of an infection, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, no, that, yeah. that bed's not. No. I didn't see them do anything. No. Those sheets, that blanket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have that blanket. Well, I mean, specifically. No, but, but for real, like, I, I, I don't understand, but let's just say... I get it. You're wanting to do the the treatment your own right, way. Right, right. But uh-huh. this is, she needs medical help. Yeah. Physically. Like, no, yeah, now. now. Yeah, I look, I don't know how it works, but I imagine that if Olivia is working at a hospital, she is not allowed to take drugs and supplies <laughs> yeah. to help her friend over a weekend. I don't, I don't see how that is ever okay. But I guess we'll just allow it for the film. Sure. But Natalie suggests that they take Mia to a hospital and David agrees but Olivia says that Mia is getting the exact same treatment that she would be getting at a hospital. Olivia, girl. I, I don't think that's true. She yeah. is just digging her heels in. This is a, this has become a personal thing. I I hope you're the hygiene at the hospital you work at is <laughs> like the, yeah. No, dude, every bed in our hospital, hospital yeah. is covered in <laughs> 10 years of dust. Yeah. <laughs> right. It looks the same. Yeah, there's yeah. dead animals everywhere and no no i don't think you're telling the truth (laughs) what hospital do you work at yeah (laughs) but olivia says that if they leave now then all of this will have been for nothing eric asks about the wounds on mia's arms but olivia just shrugs those off too saying that she probably ran into a thorn bush out there and that she probably did it on purpose all right what's that Yeah, yeah all right David goes, what? We need to take control away from her. Yeah. <laughs> I understand her desperation. And I'm sure in her mind, it's no, if we leave this cabin, the same thing is going to happen. We're letting her leave again. And you know what I mean? Right. She's probably not going to survive. I get the desperation mm-hmm. and her in her mind feeling the need to stay here. But girl, like, yeah, look, look around. It's. It's starting to get pretty bad. (laughs) We need to get out of here. (laughs) But David is shocked to hear that. And Olivia tries to level with him, telling him that his sister is going to do whatever it takes to get out of here. But in Mia's room, David finds her huddled in the corner of her bed. He sits down next to her and scares the hell out of her when he does. She holds her wrapped hands in front of her as David tells her that she needs to get out of her wet clothes and take a shower. When he said that, I was like, (laughs) 
I was thinking, why did they just let her? <laughs> she's filthy. Yeah. yeah. Just go and get in the bed. <laughs> so yeah. like, well, let me just wrap your hands and then. She should have gone straight to the shower. I'm sure Olivia has some, you know, well, I was, some Neosporin. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> but something. she's getting the same treatment. Yes. This is who <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take your filthy ass to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what is so hard to understand. That's that's that, the motto. It's, my, it's called bedside manner. Yeah. <laughs> We're not cleaning your wounds. No, just get in the bed and get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in almost labored speech, she whispers to her brother, David, please, you have to get me out of here. David tells her that she knew this wasn't going to be easy, but she grabs his arm and gets closer to him, telling him that he doesn't understand. There was something in the woods, and it's in here with them right now. She shivers in fear as David asks if she means (laughs) in here with them in the room. (laughs) No. Yeah, like right now, right now? Or like earlier? Yeah, because I don't see anybody. Yeah. But Mia nods with frightened certainty, unblinking as she stares at him. David gets up to walk away, and Mia's eyes widen in shock that he doesn't believe her. He tells her that it's all in her head and to try to get it together. Mia appears defeated when he tells her that she'll be better tomorrow, and she'll be glad that they were such assholes. He closes the door behind him, and Mia surveys her empty room, the sound of twisting branches filling her head. But when she catches her reflection in a mirror, lightning strikes on an image of the demonic version of herself, gurgling blood out of her mouth. I don't mean to keep harping on the really poor care that they're giving me. <laughs> <laughs> but why do we keep leaving her alone? Uh, that's yeah. a great question. I don't know. Especially after what just happened. We should all be in shifts making sure that she's okay. Especially since Olivia's like, oh no, she probably hurt herself on purpose. Yeah. yeah. We all need to be watching let's, her now. Let's let's keep watch. Mm-hmm. Let's take care of her. I yeah. Mean, it's like, now go and take your filthy ass. <laughs> it's horrible. Just slams the door. Yeah. It's like, what is this? I... <laughs> I do also want to say I'm sure at, at some point in our life we've sometimes not liked what we've seen in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> but this is, I think, the worst. This is on another level. I think. It's like fuck. Do I really look like that? God, yeah. Yeah. I'm always gurgling blood. Yeah, like that. Yeah. I gotta work on that. Right, that gingivitis. Fuck. Oh yeah. damn. Floss. Floss. Yes, I gotta floss. Yes. It's called Listerine. Me. Yeah. <laughs> But Eric continues looking at the Naturum Demonto, taking notes. He stops on a picture of a skeletal figure emerging from the ground under a downpour of blood. This will become very important later. Yeah. But through various other frightening images, he sees a woman captive in branches with them slithering all over her, much like what happened to Mia and much like what Mia says happened to her. I'm like, oh, a visual depiction of exactly what the fuck you yeah. said. Yeah. Why are you not saying anything? Well, he's researching. He's like, man, Mia's on some bullshit, right? Guys? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, you see all of it right here. You said the fucked yeah. up words that the book begged you not to say. Yeah. What are did. you doing? He did, but yeah. I mean, he's like, eh, probably is not the real. <laughs> coincidence, coincidence. Unrelated. But he stops for a moment as the camera presses in on this image. Olivia interrupts him, telling him that he should just throw the book away and that he should be helping his friend clean up the basement. Eric says that he doesn't know who she's talking about, but Olivia tells him that he can't pretend like he doesn't care about David. Eric doesn't respond to that, 
but he says that David hasn't cared about them for the past century. Olivia simply replies that David is here now. Eric sarcastically calls this truly amazing, which is a line from the original film. Yeah. As says it to Linda. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when the book, the hand reaching up in the blood rain. Yes, precisely. That's also a movie poster. We love it. Yeah. I, I swear, man, like th- when when something it's the same thing with Mike Flanagan. Yeah. When it's made by fans, you see just you can tell oh, yeah. everywhere. But David continues cleaning out the basement of all the dead cats, clipping the wires that they're hanging from and catching them in garbage bags before disposing of them outside. While he's outside, he whistles for grandpa, but the camera lingers on a bloody and fresh paw print in the mud under the rain. David follows what he now sees as a trail of blood leading to a small tunnel dug out under the shed. Grandpa lies in a heap, whimpering, so David rushes inside the shed and removes some of the floorboards. There, he finds Grandpa mortally wounded. Somberly, he pulls the dog up by his collar, cradling him, asking him tearfully what he got himself into. He attempts to pet him comfortingly, but draws back a hand covered in blood. Not grandpa. Yeah. This was devastating. Yeah. It was. I'm it like, was. we've had enough dead animals. Yeah. Like, no more. I honestly, I, I look, it's, it's kind of becoming just a cheap shot with horror films and animals. Well, because as soon as I see one now, I'm like, please make it to yeah. sunrise or whatever. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> please make it to the end. Let the dog be the hero. This yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> Can the dog be the final yeah, girl? Jesus. Like, fuck. Let the dog box the coyote. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's what we <laughs> there <you> go. That's <laughs> a fair fight. <laughs> <laughs> but confused, he just embraces his dying dog. But when he lifts his head, his eyes take notice of a hammer lying on the ground with drops of blood all around it. He imagines Mia in a frenzy, a POV shot looking up at her as she screams and bludgeons the animal. So, obviously, we already talked about how horrible this is. Yeah. But one thing I did appreciate from this scene is kind of explaining this geography of the shed. Yeah. I think that it, it obviously comes into play later. Yeah. And it's very interesting because I, 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 don't, I don't have a shed, but I don't think most sheds are built like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But David heads inside, asking where Mia is, and they tell him that she's in the shower. He immediately heads to her bedroom and bangs on the bathroom door, pleading with her to open it. Mia stands in the shower, fully clothed, her head twitching under the shower head. Soaking wet, she reaches for the shower handle, and we see the water heater catching fire as she increases the temperature. Yeah. I Again, I don't know if that's... <laughs> I was like, no, I don't know how water heaters yeah. work. <laughs> that well, seems bad. <laughs> that's got to be old, old. Yeah. Too hot. Yeah. Too hot. Honestly, the way I take showers, I'm like, turn it up a little, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she scalds herself. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a pivot. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this, see, this is, this is what happens when we stop mid-sentence in a script, all right? Sometimes you come back and it's a very horrible thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that killed me. No, but in no, all seriousness, yeah. <laughs> she is gravely injured. Yeah, I was going to say, she she got a little hurt. <laughs> uh, that was my bad. <laughs> that was all me. <sighs> but steam fills the room as David continues banging on the door. Mia cowers to the floor as David breaks into the bathroom. Through the steam, he finds Mia convulsing on the shower floor, her skin bubbling, blisters popping, and layers of skin burned away. Can we go to the hospital now? Yes. 
Eric and Natalie stare on in horror as David snags a towel to turn the water off and Olivia rushes to help Mia. We then cut to David's Jeep speeding down the road. Thank you. To the hospital, his headlights blasting into the rainy night as Mia vomits a white foam in the passenger seat. Now, I don't want to be that guy, but she did tell him something was wrong earlier. She did. That something is Something else. That is true. It wasn't just like, no, man, you know, I'm, I feel sick. She's like, no, there's fucking something out there, dude. Yeah. And, and it's in here now. Yeah. Yeah. In this room? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to point out, they said on commentary that they had originally a shot where David looks at his cell phone to see that there is no service. Oh, okay. They cut that out to maintain a timelessness with the film. Okay. And yeah, it works. Appreciate that. Yeah. Me too cuz I'm I'm not going to lie, I never thought about it. Yeah. No, I, I think because I'm thinking of Evil Dead, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I never even thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about time at all. Oh, and I forgot to mention uh, very very early on uh, Mia's Michigan State sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sam Raimi went to Michigan State. Oh, nice. Love it. Oh, yeah. I think they said he didn't graduate because he made the Evil Dead instead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him. Yeah. yeah. I think it's more important than a diploma, but Oh, yeah. <laughs> But David just remarks out loud that this is insane. Back in the cabin, Eric rushes to his bedroom and opens the book, searching for a certain illustration, and he finds it. A nude woman pours a boiling cauldron down on her head, and scratched into the page are the words, boiling water on the body. Fear fills Eric's face as he realizes... He's made a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, why did you run to the book? He's like, boiling water on body? Check. It's like, yeah. <laughs> are you just check? How many checks do we need before you're like, uh, I fucked right. up? I, I think I've seen this somewhere before. <laughs> yeah, this looks yeah. real yeah. familiar. Look, man, there are coincidences. Yeah, that are, yeah. <laughs> sometimes they add up and, you know, I mean, we found ours. He's still the rocking dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> Eric's the greatest. But the Jeep speeds down the road, sliding to a stop in the mud as David steps out and the music mounts ominously. He says that this can't be happening, and we see that the bridge that they rode in on is completely covered in a flood of rushing water. You didn't think it would be that easy, did you? You know, for a second there? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One thing that really shocked me to learn on commentary, Mm -hmm. again, this is not CG. Really? Yes. They went to the, do you remember when I told you, remember that creek? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they waited for it to rain so much that that creek flooded. Nice. That is so fucking cool. Yeah. And they just filmed it. Hell yeah. It's unbelievable. Because you, I, it does look, uh, again, it looks real. It yeah. looks good. But you would think something like that is like, oh no, they're going to, you know, they'll put CG to make it look even worse. Absolutely. Than what it is. But that's fantastic. No, yeah. the patience paid off too. Yeah. yeah, they would have had to like wait. Hell yeah! I feel like the lengths that they went to, mm-hmm. it's just so admirable. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of filmmakers wouldn't. Yeah, I'm I'm just very impressed. But through the wipers and in the rain, David stares through his windshield at Mia. Her face covered in burns and foam. He watches as a sick smile slowly spreads across her face. She's like, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> she did, though. Yeah, but sometimes you don't want to be that right. No, yeah. <laughs> that right. It's not worth being right to get to have this happen. <laughs> but late that night, with everyone back in the cabin, Olivia returns to the group after giving Mia a sedative. Overcome with emotion, she tells the group that Mia's burns are very serious, second or third degree. That looked painful. Yes. Yes. And it looked real as fuck. It did. It did. Too it, real. Yeah. The special effects and makeup team are just brilliant. Oh, yeah. But Eric sits in a chair, looking at the ground and mutters, this is so wrong. 
Eric, maybe you'd like to share your freaky yeah. shit with the rest of the class? Well, mm-hmm. we're still figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what it is. It's in this scene uh-huh. that I have in my notes. Oh, I forgot that that blonde girl existed. Yes. This it's there's a moment right here. That mm-hmm. blonde girl. I yeah, you don't know her name. Her name. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who are you in the demon right. name? <laughs> oh, in 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 yeah. in yeah. That's right, Natasha or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but Olivia says that no one could have known that Mia would do something like this. But Natalie snaps at her, saying that she should have known and that everyone has been following her lead since they got here. She's not wrong. She's though. not wrong. But who are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when did you get yes. here? <laughs> right, how'd you get here? What the, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> people just show up in this yeah. cabin. <laughs> Were you with the people in the basement? Yeah. <laughs> um, they had said on commentary that Natalie had an entire arc, and the arc of it was that she was hoping to get more of a commitment from David in their relationship. Okay, and that's why she came here. Mm. To prove to him that she was serious about him. Okay. And that they could move to the next level, which explains why she's here. Yeah, yeah. it does. Because that's the first thing I asked. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked that. Yes. And this movie's so short, it could have. Give me you one minute. You could have done it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like everybody else seems to have their characters a little more fleshed out, except for Natalie. Maybe on the drive up. Maybe. Like or even that. Yeah. 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 But um, they sacrificed it, they said, because of obviously time and pacing. Mm-hmm. But also it kind of it feeds more into focusing on David's character arc, which to me isn't very fair. But it's not, because if, if that's what you're going with, then why is she here at all? Great question. Honestly, and well, she, well she's here for a very particular I scene. I think you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I was say, she's the end, remember? Otherwise, it would just be like a demo. Yeah. <laughs> and we can't have a demo. Yeah, no. This is the real deal. <laughs> but Natalie says that they should have just left when Mia wanted to. But David chills the situation down, saying that they can't lose their heads. But just then, Mia slowly begins to slink her way into the living room. David says by the morning the rain will have let up and they can get Mia to a hospital and he tells them that everything's going to be fine. Eric repeats the words incredulously, reminding him that nothing has been fine and everything has been getting worse every second. Facts. (laughs) And look, Eric, Eric, me and Eric, we see eye to eye, but... Why has it? It been is your fault. <laughs> yeah. Why has it been? Getting I was going to say, but hold on. <laughs> yeah. Since when did it start getting yeah. worse? Think whenever David showed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, guys. Yeah. Right, guys. Where the fuck is he been? Right. <laughs> but just then, the group notices Mia making her way into the living room, and even worse, she's dragging the shotgun along with her. Her head twitches, and we hear bones cracking, and we see that she's wearing the white gown that her demonic doppelganger was wearing earlier. Something very interesting that Fede Alvarez did. Mm-hmm. He asked every single department in this film to come up with something that would be their signature. And so you hear with the score, there's oddly random noises of like a siren. Mm-hmm. And you heard it at the beginning and you'll hear it later on as well. Yeah. That was their signature. Okay. The sound department with these deadites, it's the bones cracking with the twitches. Mm. Okay. And it is so unnerving. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the sound design in this film entirely mm-hmm. is kind of brilliant. It is. Every single noise, even with the trees and the branches scraping shit, it's fantastic work. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't, I, I'm just going to gush about this film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right in the middle of <laughs> yeah. discussing this film. <laughs> 
But Olivia asks what Mia's doing, and David tells his sister to put the gun down as her eyes stay fixed on the floor and her head continues twitching. David approaches her as she watches her own hand raise the shotgun at him and pull the trigger, blasting him in the shoulder and shattering a window. The room goes eerily silent as the evil force rushes toward the cabin, bursting open the front door. It greets a screeching Mia as wind rushes around her, sending debris all over the cabin, and we hear the voices of the deadites from the first film. You will die, and one by one, we will take you. I shed a tear. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. I knew immediately. I was like, that's from the first one. Yeah. I was like, oh man, that's great. And it's straight up audio. Yeah. Ripped. It's, it's amazing. But suddenly, everything stops and the door slams shut. Mia, with regained clarity, speaks in a double voice, telling the group, you're all going to die tonight. She collapses to the floor and David urges someone to take this opportunity <laughs> to secure the shotgun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Olivia crawls for the gun next to an unconscious Mia, but as soon as she snags it, Mia grabs her hand. Her eyes orange and yellow and blood oozing from her mouth, Mia launches herself onto Olivia, vomiting a cascade of blood into her face. The second she got on top of her, I was like, she's about to fucking throw up. (laughs) I knew it. Oh, no, yeah. You could sense it. Yeah. The unbelievable thing about this is that there was tubing in Jane Levy's mouth all this is coming from her mouth. No! Jesus. And it is going straight into Jessica Lucas's face. They did this four times. And between each take, they had to clean up everything. Yeah. And so you'll you'll hear on commentary, a lot of times they're like, oh, this took all day. Yeah, yeah. To do I this. I bet. And so it's kind of unbelievable that they had that, I guess, what, stick to Yeah. To continue. <laughs> Um, obviously Lucas said that this was the hardest thing to shoot. I oh, bet. I, bet. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I could do it. No. And Jane Levy was afraid she was going to drown her. Well, it's a lie. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I'm not even controlling this. <laughs> <laughs> but Olivia throws Mia off of her and down into the open mouth of the cellar door where she's swallowed in darkness. Yeah. I think Mia's earned a little time out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least. Don't think about what you did. <laughs> yes. Straighten up and fly right. Yeah. <laughs> But after a moment of hesitation, Eric rushes over to the cellar door to close it, and in a great shot, sees Mia just simply standing at the bottom looking up at him. As soon as he slams it shut, Mia bangs on it from the other side, so Eric jumps on top of it to lock it. Olivia says that Mia has gone psychotic. You're not allowed to talk anymore. Yeah. Did you see her eyes, dude? Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, I was going to say. Yeah. And we do get a little. Did you hear the double voice, dude? <laughs> yeah. No, it's still part of it. Right. We were a little past what was going on earlier. <laughs> we do get a little bit of a hat tip to Rosemary's baby because Natalie asks what happened to Mia's eyes. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was nice. But Eric says that this is impossible. And Olivia, covered in bloody vomit, says that she gave Mia enough sedative to put a horse to sleep. It's like, are you a real nurse? I yeah, know. Why, why did you was give that her that? Safe? It was like, I gave her. <laughs> no, it's fine. I gave her horse doses. Right? Yeah, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. And nobody has a follow up question about that. Which yeah. Is strange. But David urges her to give Mia another shot as they hear her slamming herself against the wall in the basement. Olivia says that that could put Mia in a coma. But David says that she's going to kill herself down there and to go get the shot. Maybe think of Pulp Fiction. Get the shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but David, in a line that makes me laugh for some reason. <laughs> Says that he needs to get the shrapnel out of his arm. (laughs) (laughs) He does. Look, I understand that's exactly what he's getting out of his arm. Yeah. But in this frantic moment, there's no way I'm remembering the word. Shrapnel. (laughs) Shrapnel. That's just not happening. 
But Natalie rushes for the tweezers in her purse to help. Eric takes off his glasses and reasons with David. A tranquilizer isn't going to do shit because they're not dealing with a panic attack here. He says he's scared that what's happening to Mia has something to do with the witchcraft that they found in the basement. It's a funny way of saying me, but I mean, okay. I don't know who was reading it, yeah. <laughs> but it's connected. That's honestly not important. At this yeah. point. No. Someone read it and here we are. Yeah. Right. Now let's, let's deal with solutions. Yeah. All right. You're living in the past. Yeah. Why are you asking so many questions? But David has no reply for this. Olivia frantically cleans herself up in the bathroom and snags another needle from the medicine cabinet for the sedative for Mia. As she struggles to open it with her shaking hands, the cabinet slowly closes on its own, and in the mirror, Olivia sees a grisly reflection of herself with her face carved open in a perpetual skeletal smile. Man. <laughs> yeah. That was great. That is, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Her reflection shrieks, and the glass of the mirror shatters, sending Olivia jumping back in fear. They uh, said on commentary they didn't tell her when the glass was going to shatter. All right, nice. So, of course. <laughs> I love when they don't let an actor act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, we're really going to scare this guy. We don't trust you. Uh, no. I don't know why they do that, but oddly, the, re the reactions are fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but Olivia tries to make her way out of the bathroom, but watches as the book flips open on its own, turning to a page showing an illustration of a woman crouched with a skeletal visage, a knife in one hand, and the flesh of their face in the other. Olivia rushes for the door to leave, but stops dead in her tracks halfway through the room. So this is such an effective moment. Mm -hmm. They had her on a harness that stopped her. Yeah. But the way that it looks, it looks so supernatural. Yeah. yeah. And the way that it just, the way that it's framed, it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. But she drops the syringe in a trance, as well as the medication, as the camera presses in on her. In frantic shots, we see her begin to twitch like Mia as drool pours from her mouth. Her eyes roll back and urine leaks down her leg. And she was clearly very dehydrated. She was. It, it looked uh, gross. I'd <laughs> Drink your water. Yeah. I'd be wetting myself too. Well, That's no, true. Yeah. <laughs> Just in general. <laughs> but the door slams closed, which gets the attention of Eric. As Natalie works on rem <laughs> removing the shrapnel <laughs> from David's shoulder, Eric goes to check on Olivia. Eric creaks the door open, turning on the light like a professional who has seen horror movies before. Mm -hmm. He calls out to Olivia, slowly opening up the bathroom door. The camera glides up in darkness on Eric's silhouette as we hear wet noises accompanied by a constant scraping sound. The suspense in this section is so good Ooh. that the longer it goes on, you're like, whatever is at the end of this is going to be fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry, but the, again, with the sound design, this is so unsettling. Yeah. And how constant it is. And then you see one motion that is more than we ever needed to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Eric tries to turn on the light, but rainwater leaks into the bulb, shorting it out. It flickers as Eric asks Olivia what she's doing. We see her crouched in the shower, her arm moving rhythmically in time with the sounds that we heard a second ago. As Eric peels back the shower curtain, the lights flicker on and Olivia turns to face him. Her eyes the same shade of deadite as Mia and her entire cheek filleted wide open, sawed rough and bloody by the piece of mirror in her other hand. Her jaw creaks open as Eric jumps back fearfully and the lights flicker around them. 
He asks her why the fuck she did that, <laughs> which is great. Dude, really, dude. <laughs> that, I mean, what else can you ask? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I think it's, it's just why what I would you say. do that? Yeah. Or honestly, <laughs> that's all you'd be yeah, getting. That's at more me. accurate, I'd say. <laughs> but as he backs up, he slips on an errant piece of bloody cheek. Falling and hitting his spine directly on the toilet. That uh, that hurt watching that. It looks so fucking painful. That was something I was telling John Paul last night. That like in a lot of movies, you know, a lot of horror movies, people get hurt and it's like, oh, damn or whatever. Yeah. Every time someone gets hurt in this, it feels and looks so real. Yes. That it's like hard to even him falling and hurting his back. I was like, oh, my no. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's kind of hard to do to evoke that visceral reaction. Yes. And there's one later that has stuck with me for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) And we will talk about it. But Eric has fallen and he can't get up. (laughs) He crawls for the door, but it slams shut on its own. He rolls over to find Olivia waiting above him. And she crouches over him and jams the glass into his shoulder. Her face half opened. She continues to twitch as she grabs a loose syringe that fell on the floor. Making screeching noises like a bird, she stabs feverishly at Eric's eyes, but fails to make contact due to his glasses. She eventually settles for stabbing his face and his hand when he raises it defensively. He throws her back, and she hits her head on the sink, breaking off a piece of it and smacking the back of her head on the side of the shower floor. Eric crawls away, putting his back to the wall, but rips off his glasses when he feels something inside of his face. He pulls just under his eyeball, removing the needle from the syringe in a very close, very uncomfortable shot. Yeah. I hated every moment of this. No, it's a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's hard to watch. So two things here. One, again, not CG. Oh my God. <laughs> this needle shot they said was all sleight of hand from Lou Taylor Pucci. Really? Yes. Okay, Poochie. (laughs) Damn. I told you he was the rocking dog. (laughs) No shit. But I guess the way that he was holding it, it was stuck to his face the whole time. Okay. And so as he's pulling it, it looks like he's pulling it out, but he's not. Ah, okay. It looks good. It definitely looks like he's pulling it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The other thing they pointed out on commentary was the performances. Yeah. Because Jessica Lucas, the entire time that she's stabbing um, Eric... She looks just as afraid as he does. Yeah. Because she doesn't want to be doing this either. Yeah. So there's a little bit of her left, but not enough to stop what's happening. Right. They are in full combat. Yeah. There is stabbing, there's screaming, there's breaking, there's crashing. (laughs) I know what you're going to say. I know (laughs) that we're busy with the (laughs) de-shrapneling. Priorities. Somebody come in here. Yeah. I don't know. But I got to get it out of my arm. No. <laughs> it's shrapnel. Man. Yeah. Whatever is going on in here just sounds. If you close your eyes and just listen to it. Yeah. It oh, sounds no, fucking yeah. awful. It's not good. It's worse than the shrapnel shoulder. Yeah. I promise. They also said that the scene originally ended here, mm-hmm. but Sam Raimi wanted more. Oh, fuck. And that's what's coming up what next. Sam yeah. wants? Yeah. <laughs> Sam, Sam gets. gets. As soon as he pulls the needle out, He looks up to see Olivia, bloody, gruesome, and gray, staring directly at him and crawling toward him. He grabs a piece of the sink that she broke off as she screeches at him, and he bashes her to death with it, screaming, just as David and Natalie rush in. Now you want to come in when it looks like I murdered Olivia. (laughs) Well, they got it out. Uh, Fantastic. I'm de-shrapneled. What's going on? (laughs) Right. I'm ready for combat. (laughs) This was fucking intense. Oh, yeah. 
Like this whole little bathroom scene. Mm -hmm. God damn. I just, I mean, putting this together so intricately, every single thing working as well as it does, yeah. it's just impressive. But his face covered in blood, Eric mutters in confusion, she tried to kill me. The camera twists around Olivia's corpse and bloodied head as Eric lets out a scream. To me, it looked an awful lot like a shot from Saw. Yeah. If you recall. Yeah, I did. But later in the shed, David agonizingly pulls the piece of glass from Eric's chest it burps blood as his heart beats, so David has him apply pressure to the wound. I was like, maybe we should have left that in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed like it was doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, Olivia said this is basically a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> so I can do whatever we'll I want. just do it now. <laughs> but Natalie cowers behind David as he retrieves some kind of antiseptic and pours a shit ton of it on Eric's wound. This is, uh, you know, not even knowing that much about Natalie. Yeah. This is not what she got herself into. No. <laughs> I just felt so bad for her in this moment. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to support her boyfriend in his time of need. And now look at this. Yep. Sam Raimi, though, I did hear on commentary. He has like a ton of rules for making horror. Right. One of the rules is the innocent must suffer. And Fede Alvarez said that was the entire reason for the inclusion of Natalie as a character. Aww. Okay. <laughs> Which we'll learn. Yeah. But David slaps a bandage on Eric's chest and secures it with duct tape, just like a hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> Eric takes full responsibility for what's happening, though, telling David that he did something terrible. David assumes that he's talking about what just happened with Olivia, but Eric says that that thing that he killed was not Olivia. Natalie says that Eric is losing too much blood, so David tells her to go into the kitchen and get him some sugar and water. Get him some Kool-Aid, stat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that going to heal you? What the fuck? <laughs> See, like an elixir. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I wonder. Well, I don't know. It's a potion. Well, sugar and water. That helps, right? Sure. That has to help. I mean, that's it what can't they hurt. give you at the hospital. Just, just a Duck bag of sugar and, and, a, and a spoon. Sugar by water. a giant cockroach in an yeah. Edgar suit. I <laughs> <laughs> call it the hummingbird special. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate I hate saying all this and then there's a nurse that's listening that's like no that's exactly what we do <laughs> that's all we that's do exactly what we do <laughs> but Eric says that he read a passage from that book and it was some kind of prayer he tells David that he released something evil wow thanks a lot you should have said that earlier yeah you should have well I don't think it would have changed things <laughs> It's already happening, dude. It's already in motion. <laughs> I think you just really like Eric. I do. <laughs> but I feel like him being like, oh, by the way, I don't think that would have changed anything. Yeah. Okay. But he owned up to it. Eventually. Yeah. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> but Natalie returns to the cabin, cautiously making her way to the kitchen and keeping an eye on the cellar door as she does. She does just as she was told, fixing Eric up a uh, water and sugar. Yes. A potion. Yes. But she hears a loud noise coming from the living room. And when she turns to the cellar door again, she finds it wide open. <laughs> Absolutely <Yeah>. not. <laughs> Voices pervade the area and Natalie heads straight for the exit. But she stops when Mia's voice calls out to her. Mia sobs, asking Natalie what she's doing down in the cellar. She says her leg hurts and she can't move. Natalie inches her way over to the cellar door and finds Mia sitting at the bottom of the steps with her back to her. I'll come back for you <laughs> yeah. after what you just fucking saw. Mm -mm. No, it's Thundergun status. Don't trust it. Yeah. yeah. Natalie heads into the cellar as Mia cries that they were supposed to help her. Natalie says that they're trying to help her and tells her that she was out of control and they didn't know what to do. But she says that something terrible has happened and they have to leave now. 
So it's very dark in the cellar. Yeah. But we do get a shot of Mia kind of looking up the cellar stairs Mm -hmm. at Natalie. And you see with her back to Natalie, she's sobbing tears of blood. Mm -mm. Yeah. (laughs) And um, that shouldn't happen. (laughs) That's concerning. That's concerning. (laughs) (laughs) But Natalie reaches her hand out to Mia. But Mia's voice changes and grows deeper, telling her, you don't understand. He's not going to let you leave. And he's not going to stop until he has you. Natalie makes a hasty retreat, but it's a little too hasty. And she smashes through one of the steps and catches herself on the living room floor, just as Mia belts, until he has all of you. Man. Unfortunate. When they came down before and he was like, oh, rotten step. Yeah. I was like, that is Chekhov's rotten step. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're coming back. That's coming back. Yeah. Very good. And it did. Poor Natalie. <laughs> But Mia, still a deadite, turns to watch Natalie's feeble attempt at an escape. Natalie seems to almost make it out, but everything freezes, and she's swiftly dragged into the cellar, and the door closes behind her. So look, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. This was 2013. The drag? We got to stop doing this. (laughs) (laughs) I said not the drag. No, they were cool for a couple of years, and then I I, I hate them so much now. But Natalie wakes up at the bottom of the cellar steps, light leaking in through the floorboards. She sees Mia's frightening face in the shadows as she slithers up her body like a snake. She licks Natalie's thigh before being stopped in her tracks when Natalie grabs a box cutter. Man, I was not prepared for like what was going to happen next. Oh my God. I no no and it becomes one of the most iconic things in the film. Yeah. But um, it's so hard to watch. Oh, it's tough. Yeah. Gird your loins. (laughs) But Mia growls, I can smell your filthy soul before sinking her teeth into the webbed part of Natalie's hand. (laughs) I don't know what you call that part of the hand, but I've started calling it the feature of the Black Lagoon. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's webbed. (laughs) (laughs) You can use it. It works. Yeah, it works. But Natalie takes it surprisingly well. It, she's just kind of annoyed. She doesn't scream. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't scream. But Mia snags the box cutter and extends the blade. She licks it, pressing her tongue forcefully into it until it's sliced in two. It splits bloody, wriggling freely from each side. <laughs> so this, it starts with Jane Levy licking the box cutter. Yeah. But then it switches to a prosthetic tongue. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Jane Levy, let me see your tongue. <laughs> but it, they were controlling both sides independently. Oh, oh wow. And so you see that wriggling and it's just so, the way that it's done, it looks so real. Yeah. It looks too real. Too real. But after her tongue is split and her mouth is bloody, she screeches, kiss me, you dirty sea, before planting a bloody kiss on Natalie's lips. Hey, come on. Now you're just flirting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is not the way. Yeah, no. But through the lights in the floorboards, David rushes into the cabin and rips the door open to find his deadite sister making out with his girlfriend. Jane Levy on commentary said that they were pumping blood through pumps oh. from her mouth. Oh. And so they had to have a code with the actress who plays Natalie to let her know when she was when she's drowning. drowning. Yeah. So it's just like it's but it, it puts you exactly in the mind of when they made the evil dead. Yeah. And everybody's like, look, we're two seconds away from <laughs> from, from killing Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I was going to yes. say. They're keeping a very proud torturing actors oh yeah yes evil dead 
movie tradition alive. It's part of the tradition. They had said, I think it was, I want to say Rob Tappert sent an email to the entire cast when they were cast. Yeah. And he told them, he said, look, you're going to want to quit and you're going to want to go and cry in your trailer a lot. Yeah. You're allowed to go cry in your trailer. (laughs) (laughs) And Bruce Campbell sent an email to all of them and he said, look, this is going to be unlike any movie you've ever made. Yeah. You are going to break some bones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You may get hit by a motorcycle. I don't know. But I just, I thought it was very interesting that they kept that spirit alive. Yeah. Hell yeah. But Mia screeches at David and Natalie takes this moment to rush upstairs. Mia speaks in a double voice telling David, why don't you come down here so I can S your C pretty boy? All right. Well, I mean, yeah. I can't, I can't oh, say that. No. Well, well, wait, hold on. Redacted, redacted, yeah, redacted. Well, but the, this C is a different C than the one from yeah. the last. <laughs> you got to use your context clues. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not going to do it. You're just not going to get one. Well, she offers him the fellage. Just say it oh, like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Wakey, wakey, exit fellage. Oh, well, yeah. that's ridiculous. <laughs> you said mine was ridiculous? <laughs> S-U-R-C? Mine's better. Mine's better. Let's vote in the comments. Now I'm going to lose. God damn it. Fuck it. All right. But David just says, this was this was very like, funny to me because they said on commentary that Shiloh Fernandez didn't know what he was going to see yeah, and what he was going to hear. Okay. And so the way that he delivers the next line kills me because she says that and he goes, Mia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just like, Jesus Christ. I don't think that's been your sister for a little bit, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. It's clearly not your sister yeah. anymore, dude. But she screams at him. Mia's not here, you fucking idiot. And she says that his little sister is being violated in hell. But David slams the door to the cellar closed and chains it up because that that's enough of that. Should we like put a Bible on it or something? <laughs> like, is there anything extra we can put do? Put something on there. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a newsletter from the decorum forum. How about yeah. that? <laughs> One thing I will say is him closing the cellar door, mm. chaining it up. It's Sam Raimi. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is so good. But David cradles a crying Natalie as they rest against a piano. Sometime later, David finds a defeated Eric in his room, crouched over a small fire. We see that he's placed the Naturum de Monto in a pot and tried to burn it. Eric tells David that he doesn't know why, but he thought this would end it. But this book will not fucking burn. And I think I know why he knows why, because he probably watched the first film. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's so interesting because that's what I'm thinking as I watch the remake. Right. They're going to end it by burning the book. Yeah. The book doesn't burn. Yeah. yeah. So how are they going to end this? I love how it looks, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's frightening. <laughs> I will say that... um. We're heading towards one of the most bonkers and incredible finales I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. yeah. That I don't think anybody <laughs> anybody predicted. No. Even with the foreshadowing that they put in earlier. Yeah. yeah. But we see the book there in the fire, as you said, getting nice and toasty, but nothing's happening to it. Mia writhes demonically in the cellar as David asks Eric to tell him what's going on. They flip through the unburned pages together as Eric explains that the book uses some ancient alphabet, and in the rough translations and scattered notes, they refer to an evil entity, a taker of souls, a demon. It says that once he feasts on five souls, the sky will bleed again and the abomination will rise from hell. We once again see the drawing of the skeletal figure climbing out from the ground under a bloody rain. 
Very nice. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Who did like, these maybe, illustrations? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe we should have read further before we started yeah. saying spooky shit. Well, I mean, you can only go so far. No, no. not at all. You have to read chrono- chronologically. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to spoil yourself. You're like, oh, an abomination. Right. Oh, shit. And you don't even know the context yet. <laughs> all I'm saying, oh, he did wrong. But enough. Yeah. <laughs> just, that's enough. No, but here's the deal for me personally. Um, I think that it's very interesting that we're adding all these rules to this mythology. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This was never the case in The Evil Dead. Yeah. And there's even more later that they add that is very interesting to me as well as far as disposal. Right. I mean, not disposal. <laughs> That's the wrong word. Yikes. Um, yeah. <laughs> saving. Yeah. <laughs> Cleansing. <laughs> Cleansing, yeah. I believe, is the term. Uh, that's not what I meant. <laughs> no, but she scalds herself. Yeah, but yeah. she does. <laughs> she was burned pretty bad. Um, <laughs> but Natalie heads into the kitchen, unwrapping her hand at a sink and looking at the wound from Mia's bite. She washes it under cold water, squeezing a black liquid from it. So this looks like disgusting it's so disgusting they said that jane o'kane was in charge of prosthetics for this film she also worked on the grudge which was produced by sam raimi okay but the work that we get here honestly this section that we're about to see with the makeup and just everything Mm -hmm. it's kind of it looks so real that it is hard to watch yes oh it's beautiful it's incredible but eric tells david that this thing is attached to mia's soul like a leech it's becoming her. And if they want to stop this and help Mia, they're going to have to kill her. This is when David snaps. He says they're not going to kill anybody. But Eric says that everything in the book says that it's the only way. David comes up with some bullshit about the cats in the basement having a disease and a virus spread to Mia from the cats, despite Mia never going down in the basement. Yeah. You just keep grasping at those straws, yeah. David. Maybe maybe you'll grab one. Yeah. But he's like, this uh, cat disease, right? Yeah. Uh, she then puked it into Olivia's face, pass it to her, yada, yada, yada. Here we are now. Right. Yeah. Even though you were the one handling the cats. Yeah, and you're right. fine. Yeah, but okay. But Eric asks the real question. What kind of virus makes a person cut off their own face with a piece of glass? Great question. Yeah. Natalie continues washing her hand, but the blackness slowly begins to spread from her wound to the rest of the hand. Her hand decays before her eyes, and she holds it at the wrist, attempting to back out of the kitchen, but the door slams behind her. Back in the bedroom, David still isn't getting it, saying he doesn't know what they're dealing with, but it stopped raining, and in a couple of hours, the river will be clear, and they're all going to get out of here. A couple hours? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know about homegirl in the bathroom, but I don't think she's going to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really just going to be the four of us. Yeah. Well, I was like, once again, I know that he sent her away or whatever. She's been gone for a while. Yeah. That's true. Um, Let's stop splitting up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're going, they're doing a lot of research right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're very busy. But Eric says it doesn't matter where they go. If they don't do anything now, they're all going to be dead by then. So they they changed a line here. Yeah. And I didn't want them to. The line was supposed to be, if we don't do anything now, we're all going to be dead by dawn. Mm-hmm. Which it should have been. Yes. Yeah. And for some reason, I think somebody... I don't remember who it was. They might have said Rob Tappert or Sam Raimi. They said, people don't say that anymore. It's like, no, but what? it's, yeah. it's, it's but a reference. Gotta. We do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with the evil dead. Yeah. But I, I was bummed to see that gone. But back in the kitchen, the rot and decay have traveled all the way up Natalie's forearm. Her hand twitches as she sits on the floor with her back to one of the cabinets. 
The door slowly creaks open to reveal Mia poking her head up through the crack in the slightly raised cellar door, just like Cheryl in the original. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You'd love to see it. She watches Natalie hungrily and excitedly as she begins to twitch. Natalie's eyes roll back and drool leaks from her mouth. Suddenly, Natalie returns to herself and notices the electric carving knife on the floor of the kitchen. She grabs it and switches it on as a double-voiced Mia urges her not to do it. Natalie raises the vibrating blade to her bicep, telling Mia, fuck you, before sinking it into the muscle. She's brave as fuck. Yes. She went up real high. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's a problem. I was like, you could have a few more inches. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know if you've ever taken apart a chicken before. <laughs> <laughs> but usually the joints are the easiest. Uh, <laughs> you get a clean, get kind of a clean slice yeah. there. Uh, Natalie. <laughs> but this is awesome. It is. Fucking amazing. It is. And I even hearing the commentary, I still don't know how they made this look as good as it did. Yeah. Because in grisly and gory detail, the knife sinks in deep and blood sprays wildly about the kitchen and covers Natalie's face. Her arm eventually snaps. And as she screams, the power shorts out from the blood getting into an outlet, sending the cabin into darkness. With a lantern, David rushes to the kitchen with Eric and finds Natalie resting bloody against the fridge. At the sight of the carnage, Eric is filled with terror, but Natalie turns her head, telling David that she had to do it, but she's feeling much better now. I'm feeling much better <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> when she turns around, she reveals the lower half of her arm hanging on by just a tendon, and it finally snaps and falls to the floor. Oh. Yeah. This is like... It's so gross. Like, I honestly... I, I, it's a lot. I yeah. just, I have no words. I did hear that um, the actress was exhausted because they filmed the severing scene. Yeah, all day. Damn. And so she's just screaming wildly. Yeah. As she cuts off her arm, and so the exhaustion you see in this scene of her leaning up against the fridge. Yeah. That's real. God oh, fuck damn. all day. <laughs> yeah. But after her arm falls to the floor. We see that this is like Norm Macdonald level hilarious to Mia because she's just laughing. Yeah, at she, lo she loves this shit. It's her favorite thing. But later on in the bedroom, David tapes up Natalie's residual limb as she stares off catatonic. He tells her that everything's going to be fine. But Eric is like, she just cut her fucking arm off. Yeah. Eric, what do you want me to tell her? Yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed no to say right now? <laughs> On commentary, they said- We're fucked. Yeah. You know, we should check her into bed. But they said, what happened to all of Olivia's nursing supplies that he's using duct tape <laughs> yeah. on her arm? <laughs> That's what Olivia brought. Oh. <laughs> That's what they use in her Right. That is, that is her supplies. <laughs> Just like a hospital. But considering she cut her arm off, Eric asks if that's fine. But they continue going through the book in the living room. Eric says that the passages are confusing and sometimes contradictory, but they're certain about one thing. In order to stop all of this, the possessed must be cleansed, purified. And there are three ways to do it. A live burial, bodily dismemberment, and purification by fire. So we're adding two methods. Yeah. Very interesting. They actually cut a scene where they burned Olivia's body. Okay. Which I think would have been cool to have. Yeah. So that we see. I mean, I know we saw the burning at the beginning. Maybe they thought it was redundant. Right, right. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting. Yeah. But on the ground with his back against the front door, David asks if he's sure that if he kills his sister, will she be at peace? 
Eric's like, am I sure? Yeah. Oh, like, what yeah. the hell kind of question is that? Right. I don't know, dude, but let's try. Yeah. <laughs> He tells he tells David he goes it's not a science yeah, book. That made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you know. Yeah. Yes, but he says that he's sure of one thing: whatever is inside of Mia is the cause of all of this. And if she dies, this thing will die with her. David is worried that Mia might just need to see a doctor. He says that their mother died in a mental hospital, and he always feared that he and Mia would end up like that as well. You think maybe we should get Mia to a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? I don't know. <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> but Eric is just overcome with a fit of laughter. And he tells David that he's just a fucking coward. He says he knows exactly what they have to do, but he's too scared to go through with it. It's like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. As David just sits there, Eric says that he's going to burn this cabin down and end this nightmare. He backs away from David, sarcastically telling him to just run away and go hide under a rock somewhere. It's what he's great at. I was like, Eric's my favorite. Like, <laughs> he's telling me like, like it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. Um, it's the truth. I Look, here's the thing with me. It seems as though in a lot of films, I am drawn more to the side characters. Uh-huh. There's nothing necessarily wrong with David. Right. And he is cast clearly as the hero of this film currently. Right. But Eric is infinitely more interesting. He is. I feel like they didn't really put a lot into David. Not really. Yeah. I don't know if you're just supposed to cast yourself there. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking didn't. I was I was like, I'm Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I, I spoke about it. I don't. It might have been on an episode of Talk Morton, but when I was a kid, if a character is wearing glasses, I'm already interested because I wear glasses, and that was my like small bit of representation as a kid, right? Because mm-hmm. the other representation was very rare, and so you see a person with glasses. I still have some of that in me. Eric wears glasses. He's my dude. Yeah, I just don't like that he uh, took a long time to be like, "This is my fault," <laughs> but I mean, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> We all make mistakes. No, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Not one of us it, is perfect. Yeah. Not one of us. And we gotta we gotta accept that. Yeah. <laughs> but as Eric backs away from David, something stands behind him in the darkness, and we hear the unmistakable sound of a nail gun firing. <laughs> the okay, the pace of this film since Olivia's situation, mm-hmm. since Mia vomited on her, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It has been unrelenting. Oh, yeah. And the second that this person appears as a silhouette, I literally wrote, Can you just give them a break? Because <laughs> <laughs> it will not stop. Let them catch their breath. <laughs> but it's Natalie, now a full deadite, and she steps out of the darkness, nails fired into her forehead and cheeks. She fires nails into Eric's arm when he holds it up defensively and into David's leg when he just stands there for some reason. (laughs) Once again, though, we got to stop leaving anybody alone. (laughs) Period. Because things like this keep happening. Yes. I'd be so mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you should be. I just tucked you into bed. Yeah. (laughs) Mia screeches from the cellar because this is her favorite song. (laughs) David and Eric hide behind furniture, but Eric is forced to move when he almost gets got with a nail through the head. They said on commentary that the nails were real in that section. Oh, Mm -hmm. shit. And the nails that you see in his arm, they're held on by magnets on both sides. Okay. So it's like they really did everything they could to do no CG. Yeah, still though. That's dangerous. Yeah. But he puts his back to the front door, but Natalie advances on him and just goes to town firing nail after nail, 
pinning Eric's hand to his chest even until David finally summons the courage or whatever to tackle Natalie, which sends the nail gun sliding across the floor. That's what I said. Why did he wait until she shot him 511 times before you <laughs> yeah. did anything? It was giving, uh, oh, that was for the fucking coward comment. Yeah. Now you're Swiss cheese. <laughs> Lesson learned. I was yeah. like, David. He's like, well, we got to pick my spot. Yeah. Oh my God. This isn't double dutch. Get in there. But Eric frees his hand by pulling out a nail, and David pulls one nail of the three out of his knee. When he looks up, Natalie is gone. He asks Eric where she went, but Eric just tells him to grab the shotgun before Natalie can. David crawls for it, but in the reflection of the television, sees Natalie advancing on him and raising the crowbar above her head. She beats the absolute hell out of him with it until Eric retrieves the nail gun and fires it a few times at her. Man that she those goes down yeah each hit was brutal yeah and you felt every one of them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but she turns her attention to eric as he continues to fire and screams for her to stop when he's finally empty he cowers begging her for mercy he holds his hand up to ward off her violence but she goes all mike flanagan on his hand <laughs> destroying it with one heavy blow oh, it looks awful yeah. it is and again practical yeah. It's incredible. It looks like, so good. They really good. destroyed yeah. his hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They really took no, out Fuji's hand. Yeah. You can't write with it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use it. They said um, that I think they cut very slyly with the switching out of a prosthetic. Mm. But you can barely... I, I couldn't tell. Mm -mm. No. But with a smile on her face, she rains down blows upon him as blood pours down his face and he looks up as she raises the crowbar to finally end it. But before she can bring it down... A shotgun blast rings out, exploding her arm off, the crowbar hitting the wall with a thud. She was fucking dude up. Yeah, she was. He saved his buddy. Like, for real. This is this is coming back. I'll allow yeah. it. <laughs> I'll give one point for David. <laughs> one. But Natalie turns around to find David, fearfully loading the shotgun for another go. In her normal voice, blood pouring from her newly severed arm, she asks David calmly, why are you hurting me? She drops to her knees in front of him, telling him that her face hurts and asking why it does. She crawls to rest in his lap where she quietly dies. Poor Natalie, yeah. man. Yeah, this is the innocent suffering. Yeah. yeah, clearly. Eric, beaten, bloody, and mangled and clearly made of some stern stuff, <laughs> can't do anything but laugh. Yeah. <laughs> they had said on commentary that it's really the actor laughing because they changed the line that Natalie said. She was supposed to just say, um, why are you hurting me? And that was it. But she goes, why does my face hurt? Well, <laughs> damn. And uh, apparently that tickled him. <laughs> but David drags Eric outside to the Jeep, trying to keep him conscious and begging him not to die on him. Eric says that dying wouldn't be so bad right now. He just doesn't want to become the devil's bitch. David steals himself before telling Eric that he's going to do what he has to do. Lightning strikes and thunder crackles as David returns to the cabin, filling the place with gasoline with a double dose for the cellar door. My next note is don't hesitate because you know she's going to sound like she used to sound. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of prepare yourself mm -hmm. for it. He goes to light his lighter, apologizing to Mia and telling her that he loves her. But before he can drop it, he hears his sister singing their mother's lullaby in the cellar. Tears fill his eyes as they're drawn to photos of him and his sister on the wall in clearly better times. As Mia continues to sing, he tearfully mouths the words himself 
realizing that he can't drop the lighter. He backs away from the cellar door, but watches through the window as lightning strikes a tree outside and sets it ablaze. What were the lyrics to that song? Sweet little baby. <laughs> they, they owed um, residuals <laughs> to the Silent Night, Deadly Night people. <laughs> but he changes his plans, immediately heading to the shed. In a Raimi-inspired montage, he pulls a curtain aside on a shelf, revealing a chainsaw. But instead, he goes for a very large battery. Yeah. <laughs> Two syringes and some other mechanical equipment to fashion a very, very, very makeshift defibrillator. By the light of the fire of the tree, he digs a hole in the ground, repeating Eric's words from earlier. This time, the only fucking way is the hard way. So something is going to happen. One can hope. Yeah, because he <laughs> built this little thing and then just, you know, it was all, we're going to have, we're going to fix this. And then, dude, just go. <laughs> Set the house on fire and get the fuck Leave, out of there. Yeah. yeah. But it's your sister. Is it though? Anymore? <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll bury you a little bit. <laughs> I love it. Just enough to get, just enough to get cleansed. Oh, and we'll... man. If I got a chance to go, um, I love you, but I got to go. <laughs> it's like, we're... <laughs> I, I will say that um, I, I did appreciate them making David a mechanic simply for this. Yeah. Story. yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> but he heads inside, opening the cellar door and looking around with a flashlight before stepping inside. He eyes the bloody box cutter as he makes his way down and voices surround him whispering, David, murderer, coward. Things begin to clatter all around him, distracting him for a moment before he reaches a door at the end of the cellar. Shin deep in water, he continues on with a sedative and a syringe in his hand. Out of nowhere, Mia glides at him through the water in the darkness. I don't know why shots like this scare the shit out of me. Yeah. yeah. The, the glide is just, it's otherworldly and I can't, I can't take it. <laughs> it looks good as shit. It does. Yeah. But she slashes his arm and then throws him around a bit for good measure. Black blood pouring from her mouth, Mia attempts to drown David in the standing water. This goes on for tense, agonizing moments yeah. until somebody strikes Mia from behind. A very, very, very wounded Eric stands there holding the crowbar. Yeah. Eric shows up. That's what yeah. I've been trying to tell you. I mean, God damn. He does. It's the glasses. <laughs> I I really enjoyed when David was getting his ass kicked. <laughs> the ash like yes thrown against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's that's evil dead. I was yeah. like, that's fantastic. <laughs> and this is again, this is where we're like, okay, we're really casting David as Ash. Yeah. And like the substitute. Right. You, yeah. You feel. We'll talk. Yeah. But Eric pulls Mia's box cutter from his abdomen and rests on the steps, drooling as David injects Mia with the sedative. I was like, how many times have you been stabbed tonight? Yeah. yeah. They they mentioned something that I didn't even notice the first time, but when he pulls out the box cutter, he just pulls out the box, like the frame. Oh, no. The blade stays in his abdomen. Oh. And that's so he's just like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. Why not? Fantastic. But David then heads over to Eric, who with very labored breaths is happy to see him, telling him that he missed him. And he knows that, right? He then slips into death and David, realizing that he's died, just rest his body to float in the water. Don't leave me in the fucking dirty ass water. 
it is pretty dirty. Yeah. I felt that was very disrespectful. They actually said because they've been working in this basement all day. Yeah. And so the water is actually very filthy. Yeah. And so Lou Taylor Pucci, he's like, I'm going to do this once. And he laid in the water holding his breath for a minute and a half. Holy, Holy shit. <laughs> and he only had to do it once. Yeah, no. All right. But goddamn. Still, though. I yeah. mean, I applaud him for having boundaries because yes. it feels like everybody else got ran into the fucking ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to make it. Oh, a no. minute and a half? No. Mm-mm. I wouldn't make it the half. No. Mm-hmm. But David then turns his attention to Mia, scooping her up. He takes her upstairs, puts her in a red dress he found in her room, then puts a plastic bag over her head and places her in the hole he dug by the burning tree, similarly to the passage that Eric found in the book. He shovels some dirt on his sister and goes in for more, but when the shovel reaches Mia, her eyes are now open. She frantically calls out to her brother in her normal voice, telling him that she can't move or breathe. She begs for his help, but he just continues shoveling, saying that she isn't Mia. I was like, man, you should have done the head first. You should put yeah. the dirt on the head first. <laughs> you know they're going to try to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. You already know. But Mia immediately calms down and in her double voice asks why David hates her. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you going to ask me if I'd love you if you were a worm next? <laughs> <laughs> David just cries as Mia tells him that she knows he hates her. He left home and left her all alone with their sick mother. And she was just a kid. Mia says that he made her lie. Every time their mother screamed for him, she told her that David was coming to see her. He promised, but he never did. David begs for her to stop talking as Pensive Piano plays, but Mia just closes her thoughts with, I know your mother hates you now, and she waits for you in hell. Harsh. Uh Uh-huh. The whole time, she looks so fucking scary. Yes. So after she says this, a smile spreads across her face and she just laughs. Yeah. And she looks skeletal. I I don't know what what exactly was done, but her face in that bag, it is like haunting. I think it's something with the way that the light is reflecting off the bag. Yeah. Because on commentary, Jane Levy said that she, she goes, I don't know why I look like that. Yeah. She said, all I had was the regular deadite makeup on. She looked yeah, like no, fucking good. horrifying. Completely different. But David just tells her to shut up and continues shoveling dirt as she hyperventilates underneath the mask until she's completely covered. David collapses on the mound with his hands together and we hear Mia's heartbeat. He apologizes for everything, saying that he should have been there for her. But just then, the fire in the tree is snuffed out and he no longer hears Mia's heartbeat. David digs Mia out of her grave and readies the makeshift defibrillator, holding two syringes tied together by wire in his hands. He gets the electricity on standby as he plants the syringe in Mia's chest as if her last name was Wallace. (laughs) (laughs) But he switches on the power, delivering several shocks directly into Mia's heart and begging her to come back as the music swells around them. I was hoping he would take the bag off her face. Yeah. Well, that's next. (laughs) Let's get this heart going first and then we'll... (laughs) He goes for one more shock, but the juice won't flow. He then removes the syringes from Mia's chest and takes the bag off of her head to see that she's returned to normal. He moves her hair out of her face, telling Mia that she's at peace now. His flashlight goes out as he sits there in the blue twilight. He puts a blanket over Mia's head as the camera rises above them, and he stands up and begins to walk away, but stops dead in his tracks when he hears Mia call his name. He turns around to see her standing there, alive. 
He rushes to embrace her, and in his arms, she cries that it was so horrible. Do we trust Mia? Immediately in my next note, this is too good. <laughs> yeah, she got up really fast. She did. Too good to be true. She like kipped up behind his back. Yeah, she did. <laughs> but David just tells her that it's all over now. Mia, with her head in his chest, thanks David for not leaving. Character arc. Yeah. But in the cabin, Mia gets her boots on and David tells her to wait in the living room while he gets the car keys. He snags them from a table but stops to look at the photo of the four of them as teens that we saw earlier. The camera pans back to him, but we see a shadow joining his and eventually find Eric, now a deadite, standing right behind David. His face bloated from drowning, and without a second thought or a word, he jams the wire cutters into David's throat. Full of shock and horror, David pulls the cutters out, bleeding profusely as Eric just stands there twitching. I was like, and there it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was too good to be true. I This shocked the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. Because, again, we have cast David. Yeah, he's as, the final boy. Exactly. Yeah. But tension mounts as David stumbles his way back to Mia at the front door, falling to his knees as she rushes over to him. He tells her that she needs to go, but she says that she's not going to leave him. He hands her the car keys, and they head for the door together as the dead-eyed Eric creeps into the hallway. But as soon as they get to the door and Mia steps outside... David stays in the doorway. He tells her to get out of here before slamming the door and locking it. Mia screams for him and pounds on the door for him to open it, but he just slinks down and puts his back against the door. As Eric approaches him with the wire cutters in his hand once again, he's like, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. David kicks the shotgun over to himself and aims it. Eric stands over him and simply says, He's coming. We see that David isn't aiming the gun at Eric, however. He's got the gas can in his sights. He pulls the trigger and it explodes into a ball of fire, engulfing him, Eric, and the entire cabin. Mia stands at the door, the windows bursting from the flames, and in a very neat and very symmetrical shot, Mia backs away from the cabin and we see the fire raging through the broken windows. Man, that looked so good. Mm -hmm. Beautiful shot. Oh, yeah. She hears the tortured screams of her brother, but the sound is squelched by the flames. Mia steps toward the cabin when something catches her eye. On the ground is the necklace that David gave to her, all twisted up and appearing like a skull. Yeah. You love to see it. Love it. But she picks it up and holds it in her hand as a solitary tear rolls down her cheek. But this solemn moment is disturbed when from above, one drop of blood lands in her palm in the center of the necklace. They said that that shot was so hard to line up. Oh, I bet. Because again, it's all practical. Yeah. yeah. But Mia looks confused for a moment, but suddenly the sky opens up and blood rains down all around her. The camera tilts from the ground as she looks up to the sky, still holding the necklace in her hand. But a hand shoots up from underneath the ground, seizing her wrist in a hot sizzle. The music grows frantic and frightening as from the dirt rises Abomination Mia, played by Randall Wilson. Its spine juts out of its back as it crawls across the dirt, and we get a shot of the Naturum de Manto, covered in the bloody rain, open to the page where the abomination rises. So the prophecy is fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Mia runs for the jeep, opening the door and tries to start it, but before she can, the abomination smashes through the window. Mia screams as its fiery hand grabs her leg, but she's able to escape out of the passenger's side door. She crawls for the hole where David found Grandpa, and with the abomination in pursuit, climbs up into the shed. In fear and disbelief, she searches for a weapon, first going for a machete, but deciding to upgrade when she sees 
the chainsaw. Fuck that machete. <laughs> Ooh. She tries to start the chainsaw, but realizes it needs fuel. So she knocks it into her hand from the top shelf like a goddamn professional. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy Hell, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you should have been the main all yeah. the time. <laughs> Fuck David. <laughs> <laughs> she fills up the chainsaw, but watches as the cap rolls to the hole she crawled in through. And there stands the abomination pawing for her. The abomination looks so cool. Yes. Yeah. They had said something because this is like um of a uh, kind of a creature actor I believe playing right. the abomination, but they did kind of like a face replacement because I guess they had Jane Levy playing all these parts and then swapping the faces with this actor playing the part too. Because <laughs> you see Mia's, it's Mia's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was not what was seen on set, I guess. Right. So I'm just like, how did you do this? Yeah. Because it looks brilliant. Yeah. But Mia crawls away, hiding behind a shelf and is caught between it and a wall. She goes to start the chainsaw, but before she can, the abomination stabs the machete through the shelves at her. It misses the first two stabs, but it hits the third dragging the machete back agonizingly through Mia's kneecap. This mm. is this is what I'm talking about. Because yes. in any other film, it would have been like, ooh, damn. But this, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can like... Yes. It seems so real and yeah. painful. It was so prolonged. You, yeah. you were there the entire time. I think it's the drag. Yes. Like, ah. The way it catches the skin, yeah. you're like, oh my God. And you know, you're like, that machete's rusty. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's just too real. They said on commentary that the knee was actually a prosthetic that was a repurposing of Natalie's elbow from the scene earlier. <laughs> okay, nice. So the way that the angle is, <laughs> yeah. you can't even tell. No. But the abomination continues, accidentally creating an exit for Mia through the wall. She goes for it, but gets her arm sliced through with the machete before she can bail out. So which one, the knee or the arm? What hurt What hurt more? Oh, the arm, I'd say. The knee looked worse. It all yeah. hurt. It all hurt. Well, no, yeah. But I feel like my <laughs> arm is closer to my face, and so I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's some weird proximity thing. <laughs> the knee looked more painful. It did, it did absolutely, but it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can see it. <laughs> but dragging the chainsaw with her, Mia runs and hides behind the jeep. The abomination slowly pursues her as she crawls under it, still attempting to start the chainsaw. Just as she gets it going, the abomination steps right over to the jeep. Mia takes this opportunity to saw both of its legs off at the calf. As it tumbles, Mia goes to crawl away, but the abomination with incredible strength flips the Jeep over on her. She tries to roll away, but the top of the car tumbles over, crushing her left hand. Okay, oh, maybe this hurt more. My <laughs> God. If we're, if we're choosing. Yeah, I, yes, I it's yeah. this. It's the hand. We get a great overhead shot of this through the car windows and through to the ground. Mia bangs against the roof of the car, the flesh of her wrist beginning to tear away. The abomination crawls over to her, but trapped, Mia can't reach the chainsaw. It tells her, you're going to die here, you pathetic junkie. But Mia has had enough of this shit. She turns to her left hand, using her leg for leverage against the roof of the car, and with a great deal of grit, pulls herself free by tearing her wrist from her hand, leaving it behind under the car. She wanted it more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what can you say? Yeah. I feel like if the, if the abomination said that to me, I'd be like, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's for yes. Whatever you say. <laughs> but shielding her severed limb under her right arm, she stands resolute in front of the cabin with the chainsaw in her hand. The abomination crawls over to her with one more threat. 
I will feast on your soul. Mia jams her jagged, meaty limb into the chainsaw handle and lifts it up, delivering the iconic line, Feast on this, motherfucker. She lunges the chainsaw forward, sawing through the head of the abomination, screaming as the cabin burns in the background and blood spills, sprays, and rains all over. I got off right there. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) A little decorum, please. Decor. No, no. no. (laughs) Don't ruin this for me. Don't blow this for us, Gene. (laughs) I won't. I won't do it. Moving on. (laughs) Mia drags the chainsaw through the abomination's body until its corpse lies there, bisected, screeching, and boils into the ground. Mia tells it to go back to hell, and we see it descend underneath the bloody rainwater. Mia drops the chainsaw, and it stops raining. The cabin continues to burn as Mia looks up to the sky for a moment, and she retrieves the necklace that David gave her and puts it on, breathing a sigh of relief as the sun stabs its rays through the trees that surround the cabin. She stumbles away, and the camera then dips down to the Naturum de Monto, its pages flipping until it slams shut on its own. So I do want to say, first of all, this finale was fucking incredible. Oh, yes. Um, I liked every single part of it. And there were parts that I remember not being ready for. (laughs) The the tearing of the wrist is one of the most like gruesome things I've seen in a while. And I forgot how gruesome it was until I watched it. You see literally everything. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those moments, again, where just everything works. Mm-hmm. Angles, cinematography, the music, the performances, the special effects, the raining of the blood. Yeah. I remember reading somewhere 10 years ago, at this point, they had said something in an interview that n- this amount of blood has never been used in a film before. I, I believe it. <laughs> I yeah. absolutely believe yeah. it. They also said that the shot of the sun through the trees, they had to wait for the right time to get that shot. Oh, I bet. None of it's CG, none of it's fake lights. That's actual sunlight. But we get the title, Evil Dead, and the credits roll. What follows is one of the coolest in-credit sequences of all time, created by Alejandro Damiani. I can't explain it. Just go watch it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. There are just lovely, lovely slow motion shots mm-hmm. of various horror. And it's it's kind of little teases of what we see in the film, I guess. Yeah. But it's just fantastic and very well done. But it ends with a scroll that mimics the Naturum de Manto, complete with Professor Nobi's tape from the original film. As the credits crawl to a close, Nobi says, I have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods, and I have no doubt that whatever I have resurrected through this book is sure to come calling for me. Flies buzz and the screen cuts to black. And in a post-credits shot, Ash Williams, played by Bruce Campbell, raises his head from the shadows and offers one word before looking into the camera. Groovy. Naturally. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. But that, that's the end of the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you guys think of Evil Dead? Oh, I, I enjoyed every second <laughs> of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying about like giving them a little more characterization. Let's get a little more. I feel like a, a, an extra maybe 10 minutes wouldn't have hurt. No. You know what I mean? Just of kind of giving them a little more character. But even just as is, I enjoy the fuck out of this movie. Yeah. I would recommend this movie to anybody. I would, I'm going to watch it again. This is something I feel like will start to be in the rotation. 
Um, I forgot how much I liked this movie and watching it for the show, like, goddamn. Like, this movie's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, uh, again, it's kind of hard to set your sights very high when you Mm -hmm. hear this. And then it's like, oh, when you watch it, fuck. Yeah. It really exceeded any expectation that I had. The gore. Yes. It is just top notch. It really shows you. I mean, we say it all the time. Practical over CG. Yeah. It's clearly, like we said at the top, made by people who wanted to honor and respect the films that came before it Mm -hmm. while not just making the exact same thing over again. And I think that they nailed it. I mean, it's just great. And I feel like even if you aren't necessarily a huge Evil Dead fan, I think that if you just watched this, it's entertaining on its own. Yeah. It's just, you know, extra special. You do appreciate the films before it. I think we get that added bonus of yeah. having this knowledge yeah, and also the little sly references they make. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like this film is fantastic. I love it so much. As you said, Nay, it's so original in its own ways, but at the same time, it is so much, there was so much reverence for the original yeah, that you can just tell that it was made by people who cared and that they really wanted to do something that honored a film that they appreciated. Yeah. But it's one of those movies that like I don't go back to enough yeah and i realize that now like you said jp the fact that us covering it for the show it's gonna be in the rotation now yeah for sure i don't know why i don't watch this that often yeah it's kind of strange yeah frankly (laughs) (laughs) get your shit together (laughs) (laughs) and it's not like it's it it's not like there's things into where like if the kids come in, I'm like, oh, no, should I got to turn it off or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah, there's a lot of gore. But I mean, if they they watch scary movies with us, they, uh-huh. this is a lot. But I mean, I feel like that's still fine to have on. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be fine. They'll yeah, be that'll fine. be all right. <laughs> I don't have to worry about this. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that can lead us into ratings. Um, this film, I, I want to start with the cast because... There are so many great performances in this film. Mm-hmm. I think that so much credit needs to be given to Jane Levy. Yes. Absolutely. She does so much and she does it so well through various, various character changes throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is able to play off so well. It's just kind of amazing. Bruce Campbell had said that um, whenever he had watched it, he said that he can't even say that she did a good job. He said she did a great job. She did. He said people are calling her the new Ash, and he said, I am 100% okay with that. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. So I, you know, and that was the other thing that I did want to mention. There has been a lot of talk recently Mm -hmm. because whenever we get that post-credit sequence with Bruce Campbell, we obviously think the next Evil Dead film is going to be Ash and Mia mm-hmm. okay but it hasn't happened right and so you're not gonna get you're one. Not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i've been afraid of um very interestingly this episode is coming out april 10th 2023 this movie came out april 5th 2013 we're almost at the 10 year anniversary oh nice we let's almost, do something yeah. yeah we almost timed it right but the thing is is on the press tour for evil dead rise mm-hmm. they've been talking a lot about doing another one Mm. Okay, and Bruce Campbell says that he'll only do it if Sam Raimi directs it. And today he tweeted a picture that he said Sam Raimi sent him, and it's Photoshop of Ash with his arm around Mia. Okay, 
Why are you making that? Yeah. So I don't know. Ooh. Yeah. But if that were to happen and that were the last Evil Dead film, I yeah. would be the happiest person yeah. Yeah. on the planet Earth. But I have more points to make. <laughs> <laughs> um, the special effects are brilliant. The makeup, the attention to detail, the reverence for the original, the music, the cinematography. There's very little that you can call out for this film as a negative. And for me, I think the only negative is, like you said a, a minute ago, is I do want a little bit more moments of characterization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just a little bit, just enough to know Natalie a little bit. Yeah. I know nothing about her. For everything that they put her Yes. Through. Yeah, no That's shit. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and also, if you were to have those moments, you set her up as a more sympathetic character. Yeah. It's even worse when these things happen. Yeah. yeah. Because you're like, all she wanted was a uh, commitment from David. Yeah. yeah. And instead, she's got an arm off her. <laughs> off her. <laughs> But um, no, I, I love this film so much. I will just go on and on and on. So I'm just going to go ahead and stop. And I will say out of 10 ill-advised incantations, I am going to give Evil Dead 9.5 ill-advised incantations out of 10. It is almost a perfect movie for me. And I think as this gets more and more into my rotation, it might become a perfect movie. Yeah. But for now, I think I'm very comfortable with a 9.5. But I will now open the floor to you. So I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off. I love this fuck out of this movie. <laughs> like, I won't. Like, I I enjoyed this movie so much. And then watching it and in doing research on it and whatever. And I was like, man, this is fucking great. Like, yeah. I'm like, this This is fantastic. And I feel like the them doing it and it being it. I mean, it it, it is a fucking reimagining. I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. cool. Um, but... I don't even at this point to me, I don't care that she's the new Ash because she's done, like you said, a fucking fantastic job. Mm -hmm. If this is the future of the Evil Dead franchise, that's fine. Yeah. I'm a million percent OK with it. Just continue to do what you did here. And I've got no problem. Hmm. Um, I fucking love the shit out of this. Uh, two thumbs in the ass, big toes in the ass, everything. It's okay. I'm just saying this is. So you had a visceral reaction. Yeah, that's okay. Here, look, you'll have one of this too. If this movie had a dick, you know where I'm going with it. I'm just saying this was this was fantastic. You'll have now, one to this too. I uh, am quitting the show. <laughs> Effective immediately. <laughs> But I really, really enjoyed this. The I I agree with you. I feel like we should have got a little more out of their character. Uh huh. Um. But I feel like in the gore and like you said, the cinematography of it, the music, the everything else of this movie for me, fuck it. I don't need to know your background. I just, <laughs> I just want to enjoy this. Uh huh. Uh. So for me, on a scale of one to ten, ill-advised incantations. I'm going to give Evil Dead 2013 a 10. I love, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, this movie's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh -huh. For me, I love this movie so much. I'm, I, for me, it's a 10. I fucking love the shit out of this and I will definitely be watching this again. And I am very excited for Evil Dead Rise and I hope that, that we can go together. Yes, yes, yes. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it comes out on my birthday. Yeah. Oh, well, then we'll be going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, that's going to be a tough act to follow. Yeah. I don't have any thumbs, toes, or dicks in my yeah. little wrap-up. but I appreciate your, <laughs> your decorum. Yeah. Um, your what? Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, he's, you've put him through enough. enough. Please just let me have one thing. That's all I'm asking. No, this is a blast. I mean, it, it is just a thrill. And once it starts, which is very early on, it just does not let up. Yeah. No. That's, what, that's one thing I meant to mention is the pacing is perfect. Yeah. yeah. What really, I mean, really does it for me is the effects and the makeup. It is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the last act where it turns into a giallo film. <laughs> <laughs> Chef's kiss. Simply by virtue yeah. <laughs> of being red. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like a lot of red. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what giallo is. We're going to have to talk uh, <laughs> after this. Why are we just pushing tea? Yeah. I don't know. The I don't know why you guys are doing this. <laughs> but no. It's great. I think that I'm just going to double down on what y'all said about the characterization, primarily with Natalie, because, you know, the cutting off the hand, it is a it is a, a very important thing it in is. this universe. And to yeah. give that to somebody um, that I honestly, toward the middle of the film, forgot that she was there oh, yeah. is a little disappointing everything that they put her through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least let her shine a little bit yeah. before you do her like that. Plus the fact that Olivia is a med- medical professional and we are accepting that this cabin yeah, <laughs> is the place yeah. to do any of this shit is <laughs> kind of hard for me to swallow. But yeah, it's it's minor shit. I think with this being, I remembered almost none of it watching it this time. Oh, wow. Um, So I think that in time, I will grow to love it even more. But like I've said multiple times, it exceeded all of my expectations. Mm-hmm. I think it is fantastic. Um, everybody should go see it. And I am also very excited for the new one. Yes. But um, on a scale from one to 10 ill-advised incantations, I gave the 2013 Evil Dead a nine. Mm. All right. I really loved it. I think mm-hmm. that it's fantastic. And uh, like you both said, I will be watching it more now in the future. Yeah. <laughs> very good. <laughs> we should probably wrap it up before we upset you any further. I think that was be wise. <laughs> <laughs> well that's all from us at pod mortem what would you rate evil dead and what should we watch next let us know on twitter at the pod mortem don't forget to follow us on instagram and like us on facebook be sure to follow each of us on twitter at travis mwh at blood and smoke and at real streeter 84 please consider pledging to our patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Windigo getter patrons and remember reading can open you up to a different world But that's not always a good thing. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo, yeah! We did it! Well done, well done. (laughs) A special thank you to... Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggie, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, 
Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montavo, Pancake to Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Towton Watson, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Daniel Peralta, Hannah R, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, M. Fryback, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Higuera, William Rush, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Megan M, Paul Jordan, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Cody Graves, Andy Terrell, Wizard Boner, ML Tafoya, Abigail Spitzer, Katie K, Erica Morin, Cameron S, Nicole Stewart, Tris Wynn, K.87, Mariah Jensen, and Carrie Archambeau. Hey! Thank you all. Yes, thank you. Yes, very much. We love you all so much, and we are so truly honored that you've decided to join us. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't haven't done that three times. (laughs) Definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) Until next time. (laughs) 